This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has grown accustomed to waiting. But the wait is nearly over. In six days' time, Chelsea will resume against Aston Villa and the madness will begin all over again. Oh, yes, it will. Um, and I'm, I, for one, am very excited about it, I have to say. Uh, but have we missed it? That's the thing. Have we missed it? Yes. Is it the right time to bring football back? Well, who really knows? Uh, But there is, of course, uh, a good case, I think, of rebranding the Premier League, uh, the BCD League, or if you like, the Behind Closed Doors League. So alien will it be to what we're used to. But I'm sure when it all gets going, all the questions we've been asking will get answered. After all, the unknowns and the forthcoming drama in answering those questions is exactly why we love the game and is what we've all missed so much. So there we go, the Chelsea Fancast number 509, The Wait, and uh, waiting in the wings, so to speak, is the delightful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. You weren't describing me as delightful before. You were describing me as as mad. Well, mad, bad and dangerous to know, but... Oh, oh, I love that. Yeah, you know. I, I love you all the same, mate. You know that. You know that. How are you anyway? You're right. You had a good week in the bunker. I've grown more facial hair. I'm pleased with that. I like that. I, I'm looking like David Crosby, circa 1969. Yes. For anybody who gets that, um, they must be very. I do, old. David Crosby. Now, he, now you you were saying to us before we went on air that you are mad. Uh, I have to say that David Crosby takes madness to a whole new strata. I like him very much. Yeah, he likes coke and firing guns. I'm not and talking Coca-Cola. Free basing he likes as he well, does. He? he does, he does. Like, um, what's his face uh, who burnt, burnt himself, a wonderful stand-up comedian. Um, Richard Pryor 
he did that as well. He but did. no, I'm fine. Thanks very much. I'm managing. I'm. Uh, I've been voicing a bit. I'm. Uh, I've just done a promo for my dad's book. Um, I've just um, been editing that for. Uh, I'm doing a lockdown documentary about my dad. Anybody who doesn't know my dad was a well-known actor, and um, so uh, I'm piecing lots of video together, home video, and um, and I'm finishing his book off and. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, just getting on with it. You know what I mean? Good, 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 good. Now, uh, somebody we, 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 we haven't seen enough of recently, but I'm delighted to say that we've got him tonight and his microwave oven, uh, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Lovely to see you as ever. Are you well? Yes, very good. Thank you. Very good. Looking forward to tonight. Yeah. Um, on two twofold. One, because we are reviewing... A season which I believe is a microcosm of our football club, or certainly was. And secondly, because I'm going to poo-poo all the enthusiasm for football coming back this week. Good man, that's what I love to hear. I love you. It's what I've missed, Clayton, your positivity. What we've all <laughs> missed. Now, uh, we've got a surprise guest for you tonight. Uh, well, I kind of knew about it for various reasons, but uh, I'm really delighted I to say... I didn't know. Well, no, I, I only knew for sure after I'd you know sent you all the info but uh, we've got the lovely 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 uh liam toomey from the athletic on for one part only and there's a specific reason for that which we'll get to in a minute but liam delightful as ever to have you on the chelsea fancast how are you it's a pleasure to be back yeah it's been it's probably been too long hasn't it i think um for one reason or another i haven't been able to to come on in a while but no very happy to be back and to talk chelsea Indeed. Well, there's, there's, there's we've all got our pictures, and Liam has an enormous L. <laughs> L for Liam. That's all he has. Not, apparently, he's lying on his bed, and he doesn't want to be I seen. I am. Yeah. Bom- I'm, I'm bomb in the L. Horizontal, J.K. I'm almost horizontal. There That's you right. go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Liam, I apologise for not having had you on recently, but we took an executive decision that whilst there's no football to speak about, there's no point having anybody on who knows anything about football. So therefore, that kind of you know made you. Oh, you, f- yeah. you furloughed the journalist. I did. I furloughed the journalist, basically. Uh, but expect the call very soon after next week. So there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, and on tonight's show, we are going to discuss the questions that will be answered in the return of football for Chelsea next weekend. Uh, but how do we feel about it all coming back? Um, how will we cope not being able to go? How will we be watching it and what have we missed the most? All those kind of things. Uh, parts two and three, as ever, of course, whilst we've had this lockdown, we'll be looking back uh, at 50 years of Chelsea, the series we've been doing. Uh, and, of course, this week we get to 1979-1980. Uh, uh, which was a, a curious season uh, in, in amongst Chelsea's curious history. But anyway, having been relegated to Division 2 for the second time in five years, Chelsea are tipped to go straight back up. But as ever with Chelsea, things are never quite straightforward. And of course, in part four, we wrap up with your emails. Now, don't forget, as ever, of course, you can listen to the show live on Mixler at 7pm uh, of a Monday by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page and of course you can ch- you can tweet anytime you like at Chelsea fancast or, or Instagram us at Chelsea fancast or even message me on Patreon or even go to uh, what else have we got Facebook there you go we're on Facebook it's all I, there's too much maybe we should have a Snapchat account as well just to make it completely you know uh, beyond my abilities to cope with it all. But uh, as the, as you know, those are legion. Uh, very, I was going to say a quick shout-out to the people that are in Mixler tonight, the usual suspects, of course, which we love to see. 
Kepler, Blue Heaven since 97. I like that. He, I don't recognise you. Uh, I saw Alan Mays. We know him well. Rob Coon, Planet Earth is Blue. Uh, and many, many, many more. Loads of you in tonight, actually. It's good to see you all back. Obviously, football coming back has brought you all back to life, which is what we like to say. See, now, Joe Bloggs, 1973, says, looking forward to the 1979-80 part, as well as the rest, of course. Chelsea won, Luton won, was my first game in April 1980. Well, how about that? Well, good stuff. You, no doubt, will enjoy at least half of this show. Now, in a minute, we're going to be back and we're going to be talking football. you lovely lot oh, there's only a week to go before we get the delightful football back uh, I have to say I have missed it in a bit but anyway before we get to that um, there's a specific reason why we've got the I mean you know we don't need a reason to have Liam Toomey on the show because we, we love having him on period but uh, during the week uh, we have a WhatsApp group as you you know like who doesn't have a WhatsApp group these days but we do with all the people that uh contribute to the fan cast over the weeks of the season and of course Liam is very much part of the Chelsea fan cast family and a good mate anyway Liam Liam um sent us a message I'm, I'm tempted I'm grinning here and I'm, I'm tempted to say in high dudgeon but actually maybe he would like to comment on that himself in a minute but as you all know we were very uh let's say pissy about Timo Werner Dismissive, dismissive. Yeah, I think so. And and Liam, Liam had something to say. Now I, I I'm not going to read out what he wrote. I've got Liam here specifically as a right of reply to tell us what you thought about us being a bit OTT, Liam. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, yeah, that, thanks, thought... mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that came I'm, across more passive aggressive than I imagined. <laughs> Wasn't meant to be passive aggressive. <laughs> Usually, I just go straight for aggressive. Um, no, that's that's the reason why I wanted to come on tonight as well. Is I felt like if you just ha- if you just have these conversations by text, it yeah. can come across a lot harsher than it should be. Yeah, you know, I always prefer these things to be a conversation when you disagree on things. And I just felt that like I listened to last week's fan cast, mm-hmm. and I also obviously I follow you, J.K. Um, you're you're, <laughs> you're, you're an entertainer. Liam, you're, you're his one follower, follow. mate. You're his one follower. <laughs> um, can I just say yeah, very I'd... briefly, can I just say very briefly, sorry to interrupt you, but sure. a second. I, I, um, I got involved with a discussion about the archers because what they're doing is <laughs> they're, they're getting rid of, of actors, getting rid of actors, and they're having internal monologues and uh, phone calls without anybody at the other end. And my father was involved in that in 1960 when there was a strike and there were only two actors and something he was in. But this is the modern age. And so I tweeted about this. And a girl came on and said, you don't tweet properly. I can't have a conversation with you. She said, it just goes off at an angle. And it's now made me doubt that anybody ever receives any of my tweets. Can, so can I, I'd, I'd like to point out that your yeah. lovely actor friend is right. I've never had the heart to tell you this, but normally what happens when you have a Twitter conversation, you tweet something and you, you put the little <laughs> speech uh, kind of bubble thing. You click on that and you write your reply and you have a conversation. What you do is you retweet it and comment. Yes. It's bad manners. 
Is that bad? Yes. It's I'm like doing that. the only thing Ten worse years. than that, JK, is tweeting in block capitals. Oh, I didn't know that. God, I've been wrong all this time. Roderick Cooper. You know Roderick Cooper? Yeah. Chelsea, good Chelsea fan. You came on and said, I don't see any problem with well, you. It's because everybody's lovely to you because we all love you and we know you're a bit oh, older than us. Sweet. Thank you, Liam. I didn't, thank you. I tried to be, ent- I'm honest, I don't, well, I tried to be entertaining. So, you know, let's be. Anyway, can we hear from Liam? Do, now? Do, do, sorry, Liam. Sorry. Sorry, Liam. Jonathan, are you no, just postponing the inevitable? Is, yes, actually, I am. He is. He is. Oh, so, everybody, so look. transparent. Everybody, look, there's Mute. a bird. There's a lovely bird on my window. Mute oh, him. The I, on do you know phone. what? I, I bloody well will, actually. Liam, no, go for it. There you go. Done. Come on, Liam. The West <laughs> Indian bowlers run up. Get on with it. Come on. <laughs> no, so I, I do follow JK on Twitter, and I find him, in the main, very entertaining to follow on Twitter, despite his his uh, systematic breaches of Twitter etiquette with the, the whole quote tweet replies. Um but no, I, fe- I felt that a couple of the things that you guys said were a little bit unfair with regards to like the reporting um, around the Werner deal. And this is not just me sort of talking about the athletic, although one of the things you said, Chidge, last week, and I know you've you clarified that when we were talking about it as well, was like you were listing different media organisations and saying, well, they don't really care if it's wrong because if it turns out not to be true, they can just write something else. Um, and I just, that was one of the things that kind of, I felt was a little bit unfair because I think, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of explain in, in a little bit more detail how our jobs actually work, it's we our, our credibility is on the line whenever we go as strong as we do on something like this, on a big deal like this, particularly, you know, this is potentially Chelsea's marquee signing of the summer. Um, and for us to go so strong on it, not just to say that this possibly could happen, but this is happening and then this is done. This is how it happened. This is like the 10 day period of, you know, the sequence of events that led to the deal getting done. Um, it's, it's clear at that stage that, or it should, should be clear. I think at that stage that we've got our information from people very close to the deal. And it's this is no longer in the realm of rumour. This is clearly, this information is coming from somewhere and it's so detailed that it's, you know, it, it's not just, it's clearly not just been made up. And that's not just, you know, at The Athletic, we did a piece that we were really proud of, that Inside Story deal, uh, uh, Inside Story piece uh, with David Ornstein. That was kind of, he kind of led the way on that. But there's also been fantastic reporting from Matt Law and Telegraph on, on the Werner deal. Um, and from Build in Germany, who helped break the story. Um, and I just felt more generally that you guys weren't making the distinction that you need to make in in this day and age between reporters that specialise in the business reporting on transfers, you know, the likes of David Ornstein, Fabrizio Romano, people like that, or journalists like, you know, myself, Simon Johnson, Matt Law, who specifically cover clubs you have to make a distinction between those and the kind of websites and accounts that just make a business of aggregating rumors but but don't you feel occasionally that you're you're um you are led by the odd uh, twitter rumor rumor. because i would for example the the chillwell thing is just absolutely bizarre i've been going on since october and surely surely there is that there isn't uh, truth in any of that because it's just it's just limped on and and but why uh, why why is it not true 
Why why is it not true that Chelsea are interested in him? Well, I'd, 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 I'd like to see a reason for their being so interested in him. All, all it is is nobody says there is a, a specific contact we've spoken to or Frank said or something like that. We don't ever get that information. All we get is links or it is it is people will make an assessment and a judgment. But he's got a four year deal. It seems really unlikely, given the, the situation at the moment with with um, coronavirus, that they would surely uh, they would surely wait until the price goes down. Chelsea are the only club doing any business at all, which is um, which is great, but at the same time very surprising, given the yeah the, the given the whole circumstance of everything. So I I just feel that particularly a very old story where everybody seems to be connected with him. Well, not everybody, but everybody was con- making connecting him before the last transfer window when um, they still have both players. They've still got. Um, Emerson and Alonso and they've got Matson. It just doesn't make any sense for me. I always appraise these things from whether these things make sense. But if we're not given a reason, I, mean, I, I know that you're mentioning these people, but in Twitter, what happens is you get a small amount of information rather yeah. than anybody saying the contact was this or referring you specifically. The Athletic is good. You're good because you refer to an article. But frequently you just get a little bit of information that everybody then pounces upon and then throws all over Twitter. So yeah. it, and it, it, you then, and if nothing happens, it's bound to make everything and make everybody sceptical. And I'm afraid, I've, I think that The Athletic is slightly tarnished by that, like everything is tarnished by it. I, I was just, just going to say, JK, I think there's a really, I just before you come back, Liam, and I know, I know Clayton wants to come in too, but I think there's a really good parallel here. And I, I want to, first of all, apologise, Liam, because, you know, we, we, we in no way wanted to disrespect the really good work that the lot... I mean, you know, and I know all these people. They're all mates of mine, you know. But the good people like you, uh, Simon Johnson, Dom, and all those kind of people are proper, proper journalists. And I didn't want to impugn your reputations at all. But I think what's happened here... It's kind of symptomatic of, of the relationship which society has with the press at the moment anyway, where, you know... Everybody's going, oh, fake news. Everybody's going, oh, nobody trusts the press. I think it infects everything. And I think, in a sense, this is what happened. And you're right. What you were right about in your in, in your uh, message to us was that we didn't make the distinction between bona fide press, people who have good contacts, who do the hard yards and do the research, and some prick on Twitter who just copies, pastes, conflates, rumour mongers and the rest of it. And I think that's what we were wrong about, Liam, yeah? Well, I... I, I... Just to go back to what JK was saying as well, I totally agree that Twitter is um, a very noisy place and it's noisier than it's ever been on on all kinds of subjects, particularly on football. And when you're talking about transfer rumours, you get things have a habit of getting aggregated, getting passed on, and then they kind of lose, they lose the substance and the context that originally accompanied them if they've come from somewhere like... Um, the athletic or the telegraph or you know somewhere else that has reported it with a real grounding in in information but all i was saying was that whenever like i think for an example the athletic i think we've reported maybe three transfer stories in about chelsea in in the in our first year between me and me and simon and chilwell's been one of those um but yeah, Werner only really when it was when it became clear that it was happening. But we we've really tried to avoid that because particularly when you're in a model where people are paying to read your work, if they don't think your information is reliable, they will be the ultimate judge. There's no hiding place from that. So if they don't if they don't think they can trust what you're saying, they just won't pay. 
and in the long term our jobs won't be viable um so in that sense i think the the people that cover clubs most regularly and the people that cover the business of transfers most regularly all the ones that i know are risk averse they are incredibly wary of speculating on anything because there are a million reasons why a transfer may not happen. And you, if you speculate, it's a very shortcut to looking stupid. And if you're, if you're a Twitter account that, you know, doesn't have your face or name attached, it's very, very easy to tweet something, just start a rumor or, you know, retweet a a pretty spurious rumor from elsewhere. And then if it doesn't happen, you can just delete it or pretend you never said it. We can't do that because people remember and they remember our names and our faces. So, we have to be really, really careful. And and as a consequence, when we do go strong on something, it's because we feel like we've got the information. We're confident enough in the information that we can stand behind that. That doesn't mean that we never get things wrong. Obviously, lots of people within the football world lie or they distort things or they brief things from their perspective. Um, and you've got to try and... You, you've always got to bear that in mind and be even more cautious when you're dealing with certain people. But in the main... Um, because we're so cautious, I feel like when we do go when when we do go strong on something, we deserve a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than we sometimes get. Um, the first thing I'm going to say is a defence of Jonathan, because Jonathan has been brilliant at just basically stamping on all of the rubbish and all of the, the quite ludicrous transfers stories which appear on social media, which we all see. Um, And I think that, you know, in the main, it's quite hysterically funny. And and I think he's right a lot of the time because he's poo-pooing stuff. Um, You won today, Ronaldo. Do you see it? Ronaldo. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I, I saw that. And what I was going to say is there was something yesterday about um, the Kai Havertz deal being done which was being uh, reported on BBC Somalia. I don't know if anybody saw that yesterday. <laughs> but but the, is that the point thing? is... <laughs> that was you, was it, Liam? Uh, the no, po- the point... I, I don't know if... Sorry, I don't know if BBC Somalia... Is BBC Somalia a thing? But it is now. I've got, I've got no idea. But BBC Somalia, BBC might not actually stand for the British Broadcasting Corporation, <laughs> who I don't believe has Somalian branch. But, but sort of just going back on topic... Um, so Jonathan has poo-pooed and it's been delightful to watch him. Where I think he got it horrendously wrong this time... Horrendously is, wrong! ...is <laughs> is the fact that um, th- there were too many people whose judgment you respect actually coming out with this. Yeah. It wasn't as, as if... Actually, uh, though, Clayton, I just got... I got some, some bloke somewhere said, it's happening... Tomorrow. Oh, well, well, that, well I, d- I don't know. But, but, but basically, Matt Law broke it. Then Liam, basically, he confirmed it. And David Ornstein, it just, another good one. Yeah. And, and, and by the following morning, both, um, I, there were two podcasts the following morning. One of them was The Athletic, did How Chelsea Got Werner. And I just basically thought, there's too much in this. These people, and like Liam said, they've got their credibility. You are not going to do a podcast if it's a rumour. There, there was too much on it. And and that's why, you know, on the basis that we don't get Ronaldinho as, uh, as we did by Man City, 
several years ago. Um, it looks like it's happening. And, and, and I understand, Jonathan, why you do what you do and you're right to do so. But there was too much weight behind this. There really was. Um, I've gone I mean, quiet, just... though, Clayton. I've gone quiet. I haven't. All I keep saying is, has he signed yet? I, keep I know you do, and I'm, I'm laughing, and I'm laughing. Well, and, actually, and that, the... That's a good question that John, Jonathan, kind of the point that Jonathan made, and, you know, it does kind of segue into what I've always said, and, and this is not to trash any journalist's reputation at all, but, you know, until I see the bloke gurning next to Marina Granovskaya with her Chelsea shirt, then... You know, basically, I don't hatch my chickens, but that's me, and I'm old, and I'm I'm a cynic, so that's what I'm like. But you know, Jonathan was saying it's really difficult, I think, for for all fans to really, I suppose, believe it if you know if they don't have a qualified source. Now, of course, I know, like you know, Liam. Of course, a lot of this stuff is off the record, so you can't you can't print the source. It's kind of that's not how the game's played. But can you understand why people? get a bit suspicious if they don't see you know i mean of course the corollary of this is, is that you, you don't also want to end up as basically pr spokespeople for the club so i get that as well but can you understand why people are a bit suspicious if they don't see anything resembling a quote from the club or anything like that no i totally get it and um it's not from a journalist perspective it's this isn't a nice place to be because you know, we we all know we've all been told that the deal is done. Obviously, he hasn't Werner hasn't done his medical yet, but everything else is agreed. He will be a Chelsea player, but the clubs haven't announced it yet. And as a journalist, you can't control. No, the clubs won't tell you um, when they're going to announce it. They're going to decide when is mutually beneficial for them. Mm. Um, and that might be tomorrow. It might be a month from now. You know, it doesn't. They, you know, the Tino Andrian contract that just got announced. <clears throat> That's been done for at least a couple of months. Yeah. But but increasingly what you get is clubs, and Chelsea are far from alone in this, who like to make kind of events out of announcements of contracts and new players and things like that. And they get big, they do like big social media promotions and elaborate videos, Alexis Sanchez playing the piano, all this stuff. So they, they put all this effort and take all this time. And as a result, things take much longer to actually be officially confirmed hmm. um so i totally get that and and also like you said in it i think it's it's only getting harder um in the in the modern age to sift through all the noise yeah. because there is so much more noise yeah and the especially after a shutdown like the one we've just had everyone is so starved of a sexy transfer story that you get people you get the more cynical parts of the the industry like mechanisms just churning up fairly spurious rumors because they they generate sexy headlines rather what? than actual actually having anything behind them so many reputable newspapers though just tarnish their reputations by um coming up with such regularly regularly ludicrous statements the express being one of them yeah, yeah. who you know today juventus consider offering two players plus cash for both Jorginho and Alonso. And, you know, the likelihood once again of this happening is just, uh, but the, the Express just regularly write idiocy and it's completely yeah. fabricated. I don't know why, why have they just given up in their sports department? Do they make a decision to say, well, we don't care. We're just going to make these stories up. Is that what happened? I think, it, I think it's quite, it's, it's depressing for me as a journalist to see it because 
and and the express aren't the only ones to that do this but they are one of the more frequent offenders um what they 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 basically the strategy becomes purely clicks and purely page views yeah. and there's no there's nothing behind that like people aren't engaging with your content people aren't it, it's a short-term game because you sacrifice so all your credibility and integrity really ultimately. yeah yeah in in the hunt for short-term clicks which don't actually generate a lot of value for your business and i think a lot of pay that a lot of other media organizations did that for a while and then moved away from it because they realized how self-defeating it was um and it is quite a depressing thing to see in the industry and i understand why it's not you know it annoys me just as it as much as it annoys you because from a journalist point of view i don't want to see silly stuff out there and i don't i don't really even like the kind of lazy aggregation that goes on you know you'll you'll write something and it will be in context and of a of a detailed story and then someone will take one detail out of a story and make a make a headline out of it that yeah, can yeah. be completely different yeah. and i don't i don't like that either but unfortunately i think it comes down to the fundamental problem of the whole media industry is trying to figure out a way to to sustain itself and we've got you know we, we've got a different model that we're trying to make work with subscribers but the, the people that are still depending on advertising um can get pulled into this endless search for clicks which is just a kind of spiral to the bottom i think yeah clayton liam liam yeah thanks to just liam can i ask you a question yeah um so everything you say makes sense and 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 we know that loads of this is is clickbait and there are hundreds of thousands maybe even millions of, of fans all over the world who will see something and immediately click on it i mean you know jonathan mentions the express and i don't even bother looking now you know yeah. I, I think the mirror as well don't bother looking there, there is no point because you just know it's either fabrication or it's clickbait and and, and that's fine you know, as I said, when the when the Verna story broke, it broke through reliable sources. So it was something that I therefore looked into and, you know, got very excited by. Um, one question, I don't know if you know the answer to it, is our website, the club's website, have this ridiculous media speculation page? <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, is it is it run by an outside agency that, uh, again... It's to make money on Clayton, clickbait. Clayton, I know this for a fact, because obviously the involvement with the trust and stuff, it has yeah. been raised. It is to make money for the club. And the club's view, or Guy Lawrence's view, I believe, allegedly, is that they would rather have the money coming into them than being exploited and the money going elsewhere. It's fine. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just uh, absolute nonsense. Yeah, it, I agree. I agree, Clayton. It, it is ridiculous. Um, I think, and Chelsea aren't the first club to do this. You know, City. I was going to say, do other clubs do the same thing? City were the first big club that I noticed doing a column like this, and I think that's where I. Well, I don't know, but I, I would guess that's where the idea came from for the Chelsea Media Watch column. As as Chidge says, I understand it's run by like an outside party, um, and of course, it's about yeah just driving engagement to the website and and getting clicks essentially but i the, the the reason why it sits so kind of uneasily for me is that you're a football club that is actually in a position to 
have an official stance on the things that you're aggregating. Like you're you're saying that one of your players might get sold or you might buy another player. Like you're you're actually in position to have an official stance on that as the club. Um and just by the fact that it's on your website. Like inside of trading, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, well you could be seen to be giving oxygen to something, you know. And I you know, especially when you're when you're aggregating stuff that suggests one of your own players might be sold. I can only imagine that might cause the occasional problem so i i don't think it's i think it's a bit short-sighted on the club i think that's a, a mistake they've made all right liam uh, i want to thank you hugely for for coming on and uh you know having your right of reply i as i said i apologize if we didn't work hard enough to you know sort the wheat out from the chaff so to speak um but i mean you know as you've actually elucidated there quite well and I know, obviously, I mean, I, I tell you why I know this, because, you know, I get told Snack Media, who who owned the Chelsea Fancast website, send me out little WhatsApp messages all the time. And, you know, they are in the business of clickbait and transfer rumours are the absolute opium for the masses when it comes to that. So uh, but there is yeah. a distinction between that kind of media and the media that you work in. And I don't think we made that clear enough, although I don't think we were we were as pissy as some people might have said. But. Uh, right, I'm no. gonna I'm gonna move on uh, and just talk about uh, what's happening next weekend just very quickly because it's actually really good to have Liam here because of course, you know he's in the thick of all of this, uh, whereas we've just buried our hands in the 19 uh, buried our, buried our heads should I say in the 1970s for uh, the last 12 weeks, which I have to say has been a bizarrely enjoyable experience. Um, but I think there are lots of questions, all right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Liam because we won't we won't have him for much uh, for much longer beyond this, but. Um, I've written down a load of questions. Funny enough, they uh, they went into my uh, usual weekly column, which is an educated, non-clickbaity piece of journalism. Dare I call it that, Liam? <laughs> but uh, I, these are the questions that I, I had at the top of my list, all right? Will the enforced break have hampered or enhanced Chelsea's chances of a top-four finish? Uh, can Chelsea pick up on the rich, rich seam of form they had before the shutdown? Will the break have provided the likes of Kante, Pulisic, Tammy Abram and, um, and other injured players a chance to recover properly? Will the extended break have given Ruben Loftus-Cheek the time he needed to get back to full fitness? And will the play- players rumoured to be on their way out still put in a shift? You can answer any one of those you like, Liam, and then I'll spread it all around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's so hard to know isn't it? Where, the, where the form is going to be, isn't it? It's... Um... We're, we're in uncharted territory. But I do think, you know, on the Loftus-Cheek point, this might be, this might prove to be the first bit of good luck he's had in about two years because he was on the verge of getting some minutes, but it was sharpness that was that was keeping him really out of contention. And now he's been through the same pre-season or mid-season pre-season as all the other players have. So I think that's that has the potential to be a big leveller, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if if Lampard features him at least off the bench in in one of those first two games against Villa or City. I think Lampard everything that he's done suggests that he really likes Loftus Cheek. He's one of one of his big regrets, if you will, is that he hasn't had a chance to play him at all so far, and I think he's he's itching to to try and take a look at him in a competitive setting. But it's clear that Chelsea have have, have the have the squad to cope with a bit of the, the, this kind of sprint to the finish now as well. It'd be very interesting to see how he, he comes back because he's about a, seems to be half the size that he was, um, which was I wish I could like, say the same. 
<laughs> no, I just think it was the aspect of muscle mass because part part of his ability he was hullet like originally in his abilities to uh, to bounce off people and just just um, hog the ball and they couldn't get it off him because he was such a man mountain. Be interesting to see whether athletically whether he actually becomes quicker as a co consequence of not having this. Uh, not that it was bulk; it was just big muscles and uh, uh, and a big uh, torso. Um, so. Uh, um, I mean, I think the answer is if he's fit enough and good enough, Frank will play him. That's just, it's down to that. He's not going to give. He's not going to be uh, giving him a go just because he hasn't played for a bit. If he's playing well in the uh, in any of these run-up matches they're having, then uh, he'll he'll get a place, won't he? And if he's playing very well, as well as he can play, then we, it's almost like a new signing. So I think isn't isn't um, one of the 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 speculation about Ruben is that part of his injury problems were because he was so bulky and it was affecting his back. And now that he's a lot leaner, it yeah. might mean that he's he can stay fitter. I mean, like you say, he will be like a new signing if he can stay if he can stay fit. That, that's that's the big thing, really. I mean, one, one of the points, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, is that the, the Bundesliga has basically had, was it about 120% higher average of injuries um, than normal. And it, it'll be interesting because of the, the process that Ruben has had being injured and now coming back, whether he's less susceptible to injury than those guys who were really honed and really match fit before the break came along. It's mm, a good point. Um, I mean, the, the other the thing that interests me, uh, Liam, as well, actually kind of segues on nicely from what they were saying, but... You know, is this a case really of just starting again from scratch? In in a sense, can we just write off what happened up until March, which is a shame because we were beginning, as I said, to hit a rich seam of form just before the break. Billy Gilmore coming in, that kind of thing. But are they really kind of starting again? It is as I said. I mean, I jokingly said they should call it the the BDC League uh, with a you know an asterisk by it because I, I do get this sense that this is just starting all over again. Really, do you think there's a a point there? Well, I think it is in terms of in terms of form and in terms of rhythm, it is starting again pretty much from scratch. But you're not starting from scratch in the sense of what the younger players in this squad managed to achieve from August to to March. You know, the progress they made has not gone away. The fact that Mount Abraham, Reese James, Tamori. Hudson Adoy are all kind of established at least in the squad, if not in the starting eleven, um, and have a have a level of comfort and level of belief that they wouldn't have had necessarily in a few months ago. I think that's all tangible progress, and that will help Chelsea in this final stretch. And at the same time, you know Abraham's body was starting to feel the strain. By the time it got to March, he I think he's he's had time to shake those off. Mason Mount didn't miss a game despite playing through two ankle injuries. He's now been forced to take a rest as much as he tried to sneak out to play five aside during the shutdown. Um, so I think they, they've they've had the right blend of rest, but at the same time they've they can build on what they what were already looking like being kind of breakout seasons. Mm, interesting stuff. Um, just very quickly, J.K. Before we we go to our, our first break. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, actually, this this actually funny enough because we were kind of talking to Liam about this from from the 
the journalist's side, I was asking Liam if he was going to get to many of the games because, of course, that will be restricted. Us three, of course, all of us are season ticket holders. We can't go to any games. Um, how do you how do you feel about that, J.K.? Well, I, I, I was uh, given the opportunity by the East Stand to have my name in LED on my seat. Um, and uh, Was that LSD on your seat, did you say? Is that uh, that's yeah. what the, the 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 smarties are really, mate? They're not really smarties. Yeah, they are when you get given those at half time. Yeah, yeah. H- having heard you on the fan course on a Monday after a game, I I have wondered. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> no, it was a it's a uh, it's something that I anyway I failed to do because there's a little um, code that you've got on your season ticket, and I couldn't remember it, and I couldn't find my season ticket because it's it's in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> I obviously thought well, you've I'm thrown not... it away, mate. Haven't you? There's no <laughs> well, need for it. Well, well, uh, it, yeah, mentally, yeah, yeah, metaphorically, thrown it away. So no, I missed the opportunity. But yes, yeah, so we'll be seeing these seats. We'll be having intermittent flashing of people's names um, uh, in the East Stand. I don't what, know what that's going to achieve, but it was a kind of um, positive perk, I suppose, they were offering us. Um, but um, uh, uh, I, I, I'm sort of seeing this as a kind of I'm doing what you've done behind closed doors season. It's almost as if this is, we're like watching a whole se- a whole lot of, of pre-season friendlies or training games. Um, and that's slightly the feeling I'm taking to it. But even though obviously it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm buoyed up by the fact we're going to, I predicted there'd be a, uh, a football fest and there, there is being one just because they're cramming them in as, as quickly as they possibly can. And I think, I think it'll be, um, It'll be entertaining, but it'll be soulless. There'll be that soulless aspect of it. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's also it's a question of, I suppose, uh, how the momentum is maintained for in, the people's interest. If Liverpool win and become champions within within three weeks, I think it'll uh, they'll have to make it more exciting, turning it onto the fight for the fight for Europe and the fight for relegation. But it would be fantastic if Liverpool don't operate on all cylinders. And lose a couple of games, so um, it's created a strangely more even playing field. Also, because the Bundesliga has proven that home advantage, when lost, means there have been more more away wins um, because the the home side, the referee isn't being influenced by the home side, now the officials and well, the, uh, the referees aren't inf- influenced at Stamford Bridge, mate. That's for sure, not to <laughs> our advantage. <laughs> Yes, there was Chelsea's some... home record can't get any worse. Well, surely, it, well, it, there is that too. Exactly. Well, it, 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 yeah, we might we might feel we're playing away, so it might suit us. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited by it coming back, but also because it'll give us something to talk about on the uh, on the fan cast rather than having to delve into eras where you uh, telling I'm, me you don't I, like that. You've been telling I, me how much you've loved all I of that. I love it, Chidge. I love it. Yeah. I am traumatized. The truth's coming out now. I am the truth's coming out now, Jonathan Kidd. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I've said that. Listen, you know I love Clayton, it. Clayton, Clayton, one for you, mate. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I am the most terrible, terrible, terrible watcher of Chelsea on the TV. For some reason, I, I, I delude myself that by being in the stadium of a match day, as we so often are, I can help influence proceedings. And when I watch it on a TV, I just feel so disconnected and powerless and I get far more angry and cross. I have to kind of watch it in the equivalence of a, a padded cell, really. But, I mean, what what are you going to be doing? Because we can't go to the pubs to watch the football either, so I presume you'll be at home watching them. Yeah, I mean, like, you're not alone. I think most <laughs> football fans think that if they're if they are there, 
they can influence it if they're not there they can't so you're not alone there and I certainly feel that um I never ever go to the pub to watch football uh because basically I'm convinced everybody in the pub wants us to lose so um it's usually true of course yeah exactly so I never watch football in a pub um I'm lucky that I can afford to to have all the crap channels to watch the football um I just I, I know all the reasons behind it. I know the economics behind it and, and football has to come back to survive. I still don't I still don't think it's right. I really don't. I, I think that the country's in too much of a mess. People are still dying and I, it just doesn't sit right. Yes, I'm sort of excited. I'm sort of excited and, and obviously the, the whole jeopardy thing of potentially losing the fourth place is, is something that I, I find quite uncomfortable um obviously had the season progressed we may have lost fourth place we may not have done i don't know um i think that that the actual integrity of the league has gone because you're playing it's, it's a completely different tournament um you're right it's a nine game league uh and i don't know i i find it quite difficult to sort of marry the two together um i think that's if they would have finished the season where it was, I think there would have, I, I don't think you could argue with that. You know, the table doesn't lie. I know you had two games to finish off and, and perhaps maybe just played those two games. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel, I just feel a bit flat. I mean, I, I'm excited that we've got a full squad and, and this, that and the other, and we're going to have, 500 substitutes to choose from and and we'll see even more kids which is which is phenomenally good i just it just doesn't sit right with me i just can't embrace it i'm sorry i I just it's just the way i feel yeah mate i i there's a part of me that agrees entirely with that now um we need to go to a break and then we're going to get into our uh, wonderful 50 years of uh, Chelsea series, which Jonathan loves so much, clearly. Uh, this year, uh, oh, the, oh, the year oh, that we're doing oh, is 1979-80. But before we do that, I just want to say, number one, how lovely it has been to hear Liam's dulcet tones on the fan cast, and we'll get him back on very soon to talk about the football and also mate well done for coming on and uh, having a bit of a right of reply and clearing a few things up with us vis-a-vis the media Liam lovely to hear your dulcet tones again as I said no, it's lovely to be back guys I won't hook myself up at half time <laughs> next time so we'll uh, yeah we'll arrange another date soon but yeah. good to be back lovely stuff you take yeah. care, care Liam and we'll speak to you soon Firstly, yeah stay safe keep well Liam and, uh, thanks guys cheers JK no problems mate and we'll uh, we'll be speaking to you lot again in a minute or two fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to chidge and the boys on the chelsea football fancast total nutters and proper chels Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and you're listening to me, Stanford Chidge, and uh, him over there, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. And the other him over there, Mr. Clayton Beerman, who's uh, got Hello. himself a very... Actually, that's a very good idea, Clayton. Clayton's opening... See, Clayton and I, I should, I should 
uh, not advertise this because it's an exclusive members club, but Clayton and I belong to the virtual uh, pub walkers um, thing on a, what, a little kind of Zoom group uh, on uh, on a Friday evening with some of our mates, some of whom we drink in, uh, drink within the cock, you see. So we quite often have a beer, don't we, on a Friday night together in a virtual sense. And he's just opened one and it's tempted me. This is the one I was going to drink on Friday, uh, Clayton, but never mind. Needs must. So there you go. Well... Due, due to lockdown, I've actually run out of beer. So I'm having a couple that uh, were a birthday present. Yeah. And this is Wold Top, Wold Gold Blonde Beer. And it is really, really very pleasant. Wold Gold? It sounds like something Jonathan Ross might drink. Wold Gold. I think you're right. Right. Anyway, the main uh, business uh, of this evening for us is, of course, having a good old look back uh, at the season that was 1978-79. Uh, um again this is i think we're going to have to call this um what do they call it? it's like um uh, what, oh, bc and uh a what is it ad isn't it uh so i think we'll have to call this era of chelsea bc before chidge because i've still not really yet found my way uh to regularly going to stamford bridge but i can tell you that these two chaps here these two fine chaps were definitely there and thereabouts. so my my first thing i'm gonna gonna ask you clayton actually um Chelsea, you know, in spite of all the obvious evidence, were because they were dreadful uh, the season before, as, as anybody who listened to the show last week will remember. But they were tipped for a quick return again. Did you think people are mad, or did you your hope hopes and expectations were such that you thought, well, yeah, of course? I think the thing is, at that time, we we had uh, assumed the mantle of a bit of a yo-yo club. We'd been up, we'd been down, we'd been up, we'd been down. And so the thought that we could basically go up again was not completely foreign. Um, but you did actually have to check and see whether the men in white coats are around. Um, but I, I honestly can't remember the beginning of that season, the strength of the other teams in the division. So I can't remember whether we went down and, and the team that we went that were relegated would have been perceived to have been a better bet than, than the other teams um, who were relegated and who were actually in the old second division at that time. There wasn't anything in our, in our squad that gave us a huge amount of hope after the absolute codswallop that we'd watched the year before. Well, uh, but, you know, I think I've said in, and when we've reviewed seasons before that there is always an optimism. At the start of any season, yeah. there, there is an optimism. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that, that you know, the squad, I mean, the squad was most definitely not as strong as before because, of course, Jonathan, we'd sold Ray Wilkins for 900 grand, which made many of uh, my generation and a bit older uh, tearful, to say the least. Uh, and, of course, Clayton's hero, Peter Benetti, finally retired at a grand old age i think he was 38 wasn't he when he retired so we were we were weaker already weren't we jk well i, I don't think he'd been great towards the, the end of the last season benetti i think we were aware that he was uh, he was on his last legs a bit um uh, he always got he always threw himself wonderfully into um, into every uh, challenge with a with a forward on goal and he was fearless and he always got injured and I think his body was had great difficulty recovering from the injuries because he was he was getting older and older, and he didn't quite have the same spring in his legs. Um, so uh, I, I think it was a, it was a mutual thing, wasn't it, about Bonetti? But then we were we'd replaced him with the um, 
with the uh, the eccentricities of the bizarre Petter Barotta, who uh, um, uh, I have to say I was more my my memory had failed me about Barotta because I remember thinking that he was a uh, um, um, eccentric but sort of quite good and in fact the reality is watching some of these clips back he was just eccentric and terrible um, uh, so uh, it was, uh, it was very, very difficult um, looking very positive about it but I mean as a as I mean Clayton's absolutely right you 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 always approach each season with an optimism because you think the teams in the division will never be um, as good as they were in the uh, in, in the div first division before, but um, but nonetheless, um, uh, the season before they were so terrible, it was difficult thinking they're going to get out of this first time. So, um, but uh, you know, you always hope. There's always that dreadful hope that somehow they'll they'll get something together that um, they'll they'll select a group of players that will gel. And uh, but as, as you say, Wilkins disappearing was um, leaving for United was a blow. But I mean, I was a Mickey Fillery fan. I thought he was excellent most of the time, and and Walker, Clive Walker. So uh, there's always there was always hope with that. Um, um, and uh, and I, I don't know. You always you not being terribly aware of what was going on behind the scenes. There was always the feeling that one of the a new signing might appear, and then just somehow push them into a into a a, a different standard um uh but yeah it was uh, so you you've got a kind of double thing going on haven't you? you've got you've got hope that you watch the first few games it's hoping they'll win them and uh when it they're not playing very well or it's not quite as easy as you thought it was going to be then your enthusiasm sort of disappears dips a bit to well, you then uh, i think observing in the same way i think you know? the fact that we, we you know we beat the china 11 3 one in a friendly would have been enough to give everybody hopes that we would bounce back up but uh talking of people we didn't really get anybody in i mean peter rhodes brown signed professional forms and uh colin pates signed professional forms uh that summer but we we, we let uh gary stanley go actually the day before ray wilkins which i've completely forgotten about um but uh, he, he went to Everton for three hundred grand. I mean, we all know why they were selling. Yeah, they were selling players because they were skint and they needed the money. Um, but they did all right. I mean, the first uh, the first kind of few weeks of the season. Oh no, they didn't do all right at all. I'm lying, of course. We drew nil nil against Sunderland um, at home, which was a fairly close uh, close fought affair. And then we managed to lose uh, away to West Ham. And and then uh, sorry, we what? I'm sorry. I'm just going. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I, I haven't even started this beer, Clayton, and yet the the smell of it's <laughs> clearly got me pissed. Yes, we drew nil nil against Sunderland, and then we won away against West Ham, which is never a you know no mean feat in those days. They ended up winning the cup that year, uh, and then we won at home against Wrexham uh, with an Eddie Nijveki in goal, believe it or not. Uh, and then we played Plymouth Argyle in the cup, and we drew two all, and then we uh, lost. New, to Newcastle uh, away 2-1 and then we got booted out of the League Cup against Plymouth, Plymouth Argyle uh, on aggregate and basically after that they got rid of this surreal quirky manager that had been Danny Blanchflower and uh, in the summer Jeff Hurst had been uh, acquired as the first team coach and they promoted him to the manager with Bobby Gould coming in to uh, replace Danny Blanchflower so um, Clayton, what what did you think about Chelsea having uh, the hero of 1966 as the manager of our club with his great uh, track record of managing Telford? Um, I think that 
at the time. John, Jonathan, I'm sorry, I need to find because I just saw Jonathan's face there. He's grimacing at the memory of it. <laughs> sorry, mate, but carry on. I, th- I think at the time, um, and, J- and Jonathan may correct me, that quite frankly, had they um, appointed Hector from Hector's house, a popular TV program at the time, with Kiki, with Kiki Danny, as the assistant, right? yeah, yeah. To, to replace Danny Blanchflower, I think. I would have been happy. I mean, Danny Blanchflower was possibly, and it's quite a very high bar, but possibly the most ridiculously stupid, inappropriate and ridiculous appointment the club's ever made. And it was obviously based on the fact that he was willing to do the job for a couple of couple of pints of stout <laughs> and, a packet, and, a, and a packet of peanuts yeah. as, a, as a weekly wage because there was no logic to it. It was just... Who Insane. on the boardroom came up with that idea? I mean, I I've just... got no idea, but it, it just, I mean, it, it set the club back. I don't know. <clears throat> it was for what? It, it's, is it, it, was, it was probably less than half a season in total because he, he was like the last third of the relegation season and then the first couple of weeks of this season. But the fact was that, that once, I mean, I don't know if you want me to go on, but once yeah, yeah. Jeff Hurst got into his stride we had and I I don't know if my memory's playing tricks with me but I think that he was a, I think initially he was only appointed as a caretaker yeah, and yeah. he won I think it was either five or six games in a row and on the back of that he was appointed permanent manager and his first game in charge as permanent manager, we lost. <laughs> we lost home to Fulham. We did. I remember because I was there. Uh, I, we lost two 0 and I think the infamous John Beck possibly scored one or both goals. But it was good was because he was a good player, Beck. Oh my God, he was tough as tough as whatever. Tough as teak. Tough as teak. tough as tough as teak. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, so it was, I mean, basically, yeah. uh, you're right. Sorry to butt in. I'm just uh, having a fact check here. Uh, Jeff Beck, who later, of course, became a world-renowned guitarist, uh, he scored on 60 minutes, and then Gordon Davies. Remember him? Yes, he I do. Very. Yeah, good. he scored on 87 minutes, and then who was the manager? Who was the manager? Of Fulham. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Um, God. Oh. Oh God. Um, oh. It wasn't Alex Stock, was it? Alex Stock. No, Bobby Campbell. Oh, wow. How about those apples? Wow. So, I mean, you're right, Clayton, in all of that, mate. Well, well remembered. I'm gold star, mate. You know, the quality. I mean, Jonathan, I can't remember what happened last week. You're doing very well here. Um, Oh, I I do remember that because it was just so (laughs) Chelsea. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, it was so Chelsea. I mean,. They they did basically get the gig because uh, they they reeled off wins against Watford two nil, Cambridge away one nil, Burnley away one nil, Chelsea against Bristol Rovers one nil. There's a pattern emerging here, isn't there, that would come back to haunt us in in later uh, elements of his career, and then we won two one away at Cardiff. But in the meantime, or kind of at that same time, he managed to completely piss Peter Osgood off, who kind of basically retired in a flounce, saying that he'd stabbed back Blanche Flair in the back, and he managed to sell Eamon Bannon who, of course, was cherry-picked, hand-picked by Blanche Flower, and actually, you know, he was quite a decent player, as he, as he then went on to prove by ending up playing for Scotland. And remember then, that, Jonathan? I do indeed. I, I liked him as a player. Yeah. It, but he, Agreed. He, 
he didn't set the, the the place alight, but he looked he looked very industrious and uh, very um, c compact, and um, he was decent. And I thought he'd have a very good second season, but alas, no, not given an opportunity. Well, he was a great passer of the ball. He was, he was a very decent player. Very Quality decent. player, actually. Um, yeah. um, it's interesting, wasn't it, that um, I, I listened to John Sitton's um, uh, discussion about um, playing for Chelsea, and he said that um, Jeff Hurst was one of the worst managers he ever played yeah. for because yeah. all he did was just get him to run everywhere. The yeah. ball was never used. And if any ball was ever ball work was done, it was always via Bobby Gould. We'd sort of secrete them off somewhere to play with the ball. But he said that, and his big thing, of course, is John Sitton said that, that when he was a, uh, when he was a student, that um, that Eddie Mack was, was this was this great great manager who, of course, um, uh, should have carried on managing them because would have managed them to great success. Um, it was just interesting hearing from a player at the time, but he said that uh, that Hurst was definitely the worst manager he ever put under. Um, well, having having as as Clayton so rightly said, got the gig and then losing to Fulham and then Sunderland, uh, we then played uh, Late Orient uh, on Saturday the tenth of November in in what yeah. is well, hang on, hang on, it's one of the most remarkable games that I don't know about at all. It it never comes up in 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 discussion or Chelsea history at all. But uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Chelsea won 7-3. And the other thing that's remarkable to me is that there there were two players playing in that match who I just have no real recollection of. Sorry, one player, certainly. Lee Lee Frost. Lee Frost, who scores a hat-trick, right? Who who is Lee Frost? Whatever happened to Lee Frost? Well, he was a little pocket battleship of a player. And... um, uh... He put it about a bit and was very skillful. And um, it was no surprise to me that he was scoring, but he then fell from favour, as appears to be the case. They have sort of limited time in the team. Like there's also Johnson was a decent. Yeah, I was thinking of him too. Again, very somebody deep. I don't have really any recollection of at all. Just really good in the air and decent skills. And um, I just think don't think it was a it was a time for for giving, being given opportunities. I think Hurst was very specific. It's very interesting watching lots of these games, um, again, is that you do appreciate, and I've said this before about the, the, the ball being passed back to the goalie rule, but it does mean that the ball is lumped up the field an enormous amount, and particularly from defence, particularly Mickey Droy, unfortunately, was never the most cultured of players. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just kick the ball. Uh, that, one, of, one of the games, one of the games that Chish gave us a link to. I can't remember which one it was. I think we, I think it was the Charlton game where we won three yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mickey Droy just took yeah. the ball out of defence and just whacked it forward. There was nobody there. It yeah. just went straight to the goalkeeper, and it was. I mean, God bless him. He gave everything for the club, and I love Mickey Droy because of and he that, was captain but, at the time. Remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So come on then, Clayton. Do you remember the seven-three against Orient? Tell me about it. I wasn't there, um, but I do remember it, and and it was just it was bizarre. It was utterly bizarre because the result came from nowhere, and as you alluded to, in uh, um, is that the team had trouble scoring goals, and then for all of a sudden to come up with seven, it, it was utterly bizarre. I mean, I, I can't remember. I, I just saw the result in the evening, and I just thought, what? Yeah. didn't make any sense at all 
But as a consequence of all of this, they started rising up the league, didn't they? Well, yeah. Things were working for them. So you, you can't understand. I still don't understand why Frost and Johnson were in and out of the side and then ultimately disappeared because they were clearly playing very well. But I remember it's that thing of watching a new player. I always have, I'm sure that we're all the same. We have great enthusiasm for a new player who comes in and we want them to do really well. And if you see players doing really well, you think, yeah, great. Let's see him playing again next week. And then they're not in the team the following week and they played well. I don't get, I've never got that. I've never understood that. Well, Obviously, but, but I think that with, with those two, I think there was Hurst obviously favoured uh, Tommy Langley and yeah. Clive Walker up front. And I think those guys missed out because he, he seemed wedded to those two. And, you know, to be fair. Um, no better players. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, Clive Walker was a remarkably good player. And one thing when I was looking at... He could at be the, awful uh, on his day, though, Clayton. He could be. He could be awful. Um, but name me a winger that consistently has a good game every week. No, true enough. And I mean, to Coppel. be fair, he... he en- so who, who, Jonathan? Steve Coppel. Okay, good point, till he got injured. He was very inconsistent after that. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, Walker ends up being the top goal scorer of 13 and uh, top appearance maker as well with about 42 appearances, I think. So, you know, don't disc, don't disc uh, Clive Walker. Now, I, I'm, I'm desperate to know whether you were at the next game, uh, which was Chelsea against West Ham on the 14th of November. It was an evening kickoff, so you might not have been. Were you at that match, Clayton? No, I wasn't. Because during this, well, this season and the season before and after, uh, I was at uni. So I couldn't get to all the home games, but I know what you're going to say. This was tasty. Yeah, John, Jonathan, Jonathan, do you remember the Chelsea-West Ham match after the... I was uh, there. You I was were there. there, right. Okay. What's this match famous for? And it's not us beating them 2-1. Uh, fighting? Yes. Yes, what a surprise. The, yes. the the cheeky chirpy cockneys caused a lot of ag that night because they basically all congregated in the shed didn't end. Just take over. Yeah, that's right. Didn't wasn't there a constant sort of pushing people around the pitch, around the, uh, um, and luckily I was ensconced in my seat in the uh, the east stand upper, so I wasn't um, having to. Uh, you just observed, thinking, oh god, here they go again. Oh look, they've pushed them around that side. Oh look, they've chased them around that side. Well, oh look, the police are in here now. If, oh, okay. if you read uh, Kelvin Barker's marvelous. Uh, salary representing Chelsea in the 80s uh, which is the definitive work on this era and Kelvin will be coming on I've got an announcement to make about the 50 years of Chelsea at the end of the show but Kelvin will be coming on a few of these and if in his book he says that basically about I don't know something like 200 West Ham fans uh, very incognito assembled at the at the bottom of the shed which of course is where the kids used to go and then they went loopy uh, when um, who scored for them uh, Holland scored on 25 minutes to go 1-0. They announced themselves, at which point the, the Chelsea lot in the shed all absolutely went for them. Bit of a pitch battle, and then they were on the pitch. Well, actually, no, apparently the, 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 the West Ham fans on the other end started to come on as well. So it was a right old ding-dong. Not very pleasant if you're in the middle of it, I would imagine. Uh, luckily, I wasn't. Clayton wasn't, and you were in the East stand, so you got away with it. But you know what you said a minute ago, J.K.? about us being top. We were we were in sixth when we played West Ham. We were in the third when we then played Charlton, which is one of the matches that I showed, uh, I shared with you from YouTube, and then Notts County, the, the away match, where I thought we got hammered and still won 3-2. Lord knows how. how. How they missed all those open goals, it was hysterical. They were as bad as we were. 
Well, they they were. It was, I was I was astonished. Um, you know, Jonathan's muted himself somehow. I'm going to unmute him. There you go. You about to say something, LB? I mean, you know, they they just missed missed goal after goal after goal. Didn't they did, they? didn't they? Yeah. They had that really excellent player playing Masson. Yeah, Don Masson. Oh, Don Masson. Went, then went to play for Forest, didn't he? After that, I think. No, he went to QPR. Did he go to QPR? Yep. Okay, okay. He was part of that side that nearly won the league. Right. So there you go. Bottom line is, is that we were top of the league by the end of the calendar year. So, I mean, how are you both feeling then? You must think, thinking, well, hello, yeah, we are going to go right back up. Well, they they were playing very well, and as you said, you said, um, uh, Clayton, um, uh, Clive Walker was terrific, and so was uh, and Fillery was playing out of his skin. Fillery had that great ability to um, just dribble past lots of people and and curl shots in. He was a very classy player, Mickey Fillery. Um, and I have to say, I didn't consequently miss Butch that much. But my, we were in the second division, so the standard of team they're playing against obviously wasn't the same. But because Fillery looked to me to be a real real class act. I mean, they did have this ability to... to there was something going right at the club in that they were getting hold of, of players coming through who you thought, well, actually, these are he's pretty decent. Gary Lott was still a terrific fullback. Um um, what happened to David Stride? He'd played the last few games of the season before. Did he play very much? He, he was sold. He was sold to an American team, I think, if memory serves me right. So the, so we actually got money for him. We, we got money for him. But the, basically the premise was so frequently, let's sell somebody rather than make a team up that is going to uh, um, do well in the next division. David Stride got sold to uh, Memphis Rogues for 90 grand on the 31st of October. So somebody okay. made it. Some uh, obviously um, Hurst made a decision. He wasn't up to it. Um, or the uh, board made a decision that they had to pay the wages <laughs> up to Christmas. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, um, I just ask a question. As yeah, a of course, of course. Just ask a question. If you are playing for Chelsea and you're not a bad, you know, you've got you look pretty good and you're sturdy and and um, and you've got a good stride and uh, and everybody thinks and you think, yeah, he's got potential and you're young. Why would you then, as a player? Wants to go to America for ninety thousand money, and I suppose. Yeah, once again, yeah, probably offered. Yeah. Obviously, a bit like China money. is now. Better yeah. style of life. Yeah, I suppose so. Sunshine. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, we're going to have a bit of a half-time break. We're at the end of the calendar year for Chelsea, so halfway through the season, we'll uh, continue with the second half of the season and have a bit of a reflect on it after the break. But before we do that, I should alert your attention to. Uh, CFC UK. Now, there are obviously no more match days, but you can still get uh, the best Chelsea fanzine around. Uh, you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. Uh, or, of course, you can get it physically uh, by paying £2, including first-class postal delivery, uh, by emailing your address and paying via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.uk. Now, Right now, there is an edition around that will get printed if people buy it, basically, uh, because it's a special one to raise money for four charities. Help for Heroes, Leukemia UK, Help Them Help Us and Stoll, who are, of course, our next-door neighbours and look after homeless veterans. Uh, and by producing... Uh, well, you know, basically, we're going to produce uh, a special photo-only edition of the fanzine, which will have uh, photographs from the past decade. I think me and you are in there, aren't we, Clayton? Don't worry, you're on mute. You don't. You can don't have to answer that. I think he is, but we're all in there. Plus a load of other uh, really interesting photographs taken with loads of people who are 
you know, kind of friends of the fanzine, really. So the target is to raise 500 quid per charity. So therefore, the cost is £6, inclusive of postage, within the UK. Uh, but it will only go ahead if we reach the target that we're trying to raise. So there we go. If we don't reach it, all the payments will be refunded. So send the payment and full address details to, uh, via PayPal to cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. We will return after this break. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Okay, uh, welcome back, everybody. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, him over there, Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> and uh, the lovely, delightful Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. There you go. And uh, we're into part two of uh, our 50 Years of Chelsea series, which this week is 1979-1980. And we leave, uh, we left Chelsea at the top of the Division 2 table by the end of the calendar year. Uh, and at the beginning of the year, as Clayton was saying to me earlier on before we went on air, probably sums up Chelsea, two weeks in Chelsea's history that sum them up, perhaps, as a club more than any other. Um we play the highly fancied, highly rated, you know, traditional big club Newcastle United at Stamford Bridge in uh, in January, I believe, first match of the of the new year, and uh, we absolutely wallop them four uh, 0 I was watching this actually, funnily enough, just before we went on air, um, but we basically beat them four uh, nil. 
Clive Walker scored a cracking goal, Clayton, which I forgot how good it was, actually. Um, but do you remember much about this match? Were you there? Yeah, I was definitely there. So basically, I don't know what it is, but over the years that we've, we've got this thing that we really do give Newcastle a good humping every time we play them at home. And this may have been the start um, because we absolutely just... Because uh, I think we were top and they were third. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they were sort of on our tails in the promotion. No, no, they, they were top, we were second. Or they were top, were they? And we were, okay. And we absolutely hammered them. And I, I, they didn't have a sniff that day. And I remember being so excited after that game. I'm really, really gutted because I couldn't go to the cup game on the Monday and we were playing Wigan at home. And the point is, that I think, and Jonathan may correct me, but we were playing Wigan on the Monday after we played Newcastle because we were supposed to play Wigan the previous Saturday, but it was postponed. So it was rearranged. And being at uni, I couldn't really afford to go to, to Saturday and Monday. So I was absolutely gutted because I thought if we are played like this against Newcastle, what we are only going to do to Wigan. And Jonathan, would you like to take the story on? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. We were poor. Poor? <laughs> poor? We were very oh, poor. Oh, God. Were they, I can't remember. Were they in the old fourth division or were they actually in the conference? I, I, know. I think they were in the conference. Yeah. Good God. Time. Yes. And... Um, and it was abject is a good word for it. I think. They only had one shot, didn't they? And it went in. It went in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, um, scored, those... scored by the bloke who would eventually set up um, Depeche Mode. Martin Gore. <laughs> it wasn't really Martin Gore, but his name was Gore. But as Kelvin says in, in the book, it set up wonderful headlines like uh, Gory Night for Chelsea. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. An interesting thing about the Newcastle game before we just get on into the the um, uh, the bowels of the Wigan game was how I didn't realise I'd forgotten that the 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 tunnel wasn't on the halfway line at that period. The pitch was further down nearer the shed. Did you know that? And that the East Stand was actually to the left much more. Oh, that's right, because they only aligned it years later, didn't they? Yes. Yes. So you, this was the that way... when they actually got rid of the shed. They aligned yeah, it. They aligned it. it. Took that long. Otherwise, so you came out of the thinking you're on the halfway line. You weren't. You had to turn left. Another quick point. So Chelsea. It's just so Chelsea, wasn't it? Another quick point, just to mention it. In we missed out in the the Notts County game. How I think um, somebody was about to play. Was it Frost? I can't uh, to score. I'm about to score, and um, the goalkeeper just walked out of the penalty area and grabbed the ball and handled That's it. That's right. Yeah. And. Um, and uh, the referee didn't book him or anything. No, Nothing happened. No. And then, and then Barota came out and, and knocked somebody over outside the penalty area and was booked. And every, everybody went mad. All the Notts County players all came round and uh, and harangued the referee. And yet Chelsea didn't say anything to the referee about the goalkeeper. It was almost as if it was a different world and a different law. So you like, know, yes, I'm allowed to handle the ball outside the penalty area, and you can't do anything about it. Okay, it's we'll like it's on. like tangent, chaps. But I've been having watched these matches today. I've been dying to ask you both this uh, these two questions. I mean, number one, of course, is the the old but, uh, Butker is it but, Buckter kits? Remember the but, Buckter kits? Not yeah, County, yes. yeah. That's easy for you to say. Not not at all. Butt kissed. <laughs> but Buckter Buckter kits, kits, which kits. I remember as a kid as being horrible. Weirdly, yeah. Said better in an Asian accent. 
Butka. <laughs> don't start me up it's the beer anyway i remember those kits as a kid oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only kits that i know that were worse than that the kind of 90s version of the buckta kits were kappa kits like nobody nobody you, you either bought an umbro or an admiral you didn't buy buckta or kappa Unless you were from the north, I reckon. But anyway, but you know to... that those kids. Those I go, whoa, 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 one of you, one of you, one of you. Sorry, Sorry the Buckter kids. I think that the Bull Boys at Stamford Bridge wore purple Buckter tracksuits. No way. But we were wearing Umbro. Don't you think? Can you remember that, Jonathan? Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, Clayton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They 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 seem to come each season. They wore a different different shade of something and you wonder whether it was a excuse me it was a rival firm i don't think they paid any attention to consistency like that did they they didn't say no everybody's probably, probably fell off the back of a lorry didn't they mate? yeah they were probably yeah yeah, yeah probably uh, i was surprised they actually wore the same uniform rather than just a kind of their, their own shorts and their own socks now, here's a question for you had, had you donned the uh, stamp for the lion kit by now um 7980 it was my my era was that so uh, sorry um what was the game hang on west ham at home uh that's no, when all ne- the the ag was did you next- start all the ag jonathan with the west ham fans dressed as stanford the lion uh no cuz you you it was a it was a saturday game you were yeah mum was a saturday game. yeah 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 you know it was the next season right 80, 80 81 yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Now, listen. Talking to Stamford Bridge, the 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 thing, the questions I wanted to ask you. I noticed this watching the Charlton game. It's the first time thus far, you know. And okay, I've only been catching up on all the old YouTube clips, but as you know, I love the singing, so I've got my ear tuned into it. And and thus far, Chelsea's repertoire seems to be when they get scored against, it's you're going to get your fucking head kicked in, or whenever there's a really good challenge, Chelsea aggro, Chelsea aggro. But yes. in the Charlton game. I hear we all follow the Chelsea over land and sea. And I haven't heard that up till now. And the other one I heard, this I think was uh, up at uh, Notts County. I heard them singing Carefree. Yes, absolutely. That's the first time I've heard we all follow and Carefree this season. I I thought it was quite interesting, actually. All you could hear in the Notts County game or the highlights of that Notts County game was Chelsea fans singing. Yeah. Yeah, great support of that year. Clearly, yeah. but were these songs sung before then, Clayton? It's just a bit of a, a weird kind of coincidence that I just happened to have stumbled across two. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I I sort of continue to be hor- horrendously embarrassed by the fact that you can hear us singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" with the scarves up in all these yeah. clips. And no, no, I was saying everybody, everybody used to do that. Yeah, it was a generic song. It wasn't a. It was then a, a, a appropriated by the, by the Scousers. It was it was like a, a joy. I've I, I never worked out, I, as I said before, but never worked out why a song from the musical Carousel was 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 taken on. Because board. Jerry and the Pacemakers did it, and of Jerry and the Pacemakers were a Liverpool, Liverpool band. So therefore, why did we embrace it? Uh, and various other clubs embraced it as well. What was no that? idea. So they had a no right. Idea. Apparently, yeah. apparently, was it? It was a it was a huge thing with Celtic before Liverpool. 
Oh, perhaps there was that connection as well. I've got a great bit of info from uh, good old Mark Meehan who we had on last week. And by the way, people, if you were waiting for Mark Meehan's My Chelsea, I, I just had a bit, I had a mare this weekend because I had like seminars coming out of my ears and I had got hauled up to London to to do various things up there. And in between all that, I managed to put my back out. So it's been a bit of an eventful weekend. So I will get Mark's My Chelsea up this week, I promise. But... Mark said or mixed, he says, Eddie McCready was manager at Memphis Rogues, so would have bought David Strive. Ah, right. So there good, we go. Good information. Good knowledge, Mark. Now, getting back to 79.80, um, yeah, woefully inconsistent. I see that this is when we begin our love-hate affair with Shrewsbury by losing to them 4-2 in the next match. But a couple of uh, interesting signings happened around this time. I mean, I've told you already about Peter Rhodes-Brown and, and Kevin Hales emerging, but we we bought three signings around this time. One was Colin Lee, one was Colin Viljun, and one was Dennis Rofe. So all pretty experienced players. Um, Colin Lee, of course, was a striker, played for Tottenham. Yeah. Colin Viljun, a midfielder. Dennis Rofe, a pretty hard nosed defender. Lee, Lee became a good serv- servant. He did. He did. Well, let that hold hold your hold your horses. Hold him, horses. Uh, we also, of course, uh, had the debut this season of the absolutely delightful, wonderful Colin Pates, who, when I interviewed him for the Chelsea special, spoke about this era just so articulately. But anyway, it occurred to me: how many football teams do you know who have had three Collins playing for them at the same time? Wow. There you go. It's a very, very good question. It's a very good question, isn't it? Um, can I? Yeah. Can I just? I don't know if you're going to go back to it, Chidge, but can I just um, go back to the Shrewsbury thing? Yeah, totally. So this game, and I don't know if Jonathan remembers it, but this game is why we didn't get promoted. Because in this game that we lost four to at home, a certain player called Chris Kamara who played for Shrewsbury Town, took out John Bumstead. No, he didn't. Not in who this, did then? Not, not in this one. Maybe later on in the season, but Kamara wasn't playing in this match. Oh, OK. Well, John Bumstead got injured in this game. He did get injured. And he was out for the rest of the season. And that, I thought, uh, certainly at the time, <laughs> yes. it cost us promotion. Because he was so important to us, and and he was just—I I remember he was stretched off. Awful, awful game. Good I was knowledge. part of the eighteen thousand one hundred and twenty. <laughs> so, what was it with Shrewsbury? I mean, I—I I, I don't know. I think I have a kind of an affection for these matches because Psycho Phil and the Norman boys always talk about it. I mean, there's one match. It might have even been this season, actually, where Phil took Stuart as a two-year-old toddler, complete with the, you know, those little harnesses you could get toddlers, right? So he had yeah. one of those. Phil at half time, they're they're at the front, and Phil at half time put Stuart down so he could roll up a fag, and before he could know it, Stuart had managed to crawl over the the fence and was launching himself into, you know, running onto the pitch. Uh, at which point, all the Chelsea fans started cheering, Chelsea aggro, Chelsea aggro. This little two-year-old toddler doing a, pit, a lone baby pitch invasion. It might have been the next season, actually. But, uh, I have a memory of this, actually. I have a memory of a child going onto the pitch. That was the Stuart Norman. crowd being very, very amused by it. Yeah. And doing, shouting Chelsea aggro. 
yeah, yeah. I think it might have been next season, to be fair. But it, that's always kind of like made me fascinated about us playing shoes. We had a terrible record against them. Um, another West Country team, uh, which this this amused me royally when I when I checked this out on YouTube. But obviously, we we played Bristol Rovers. This is now getting towards. Uh, yeah, this is now in February. Uh, we're still third, and uh, I mean, we got we got hammered really three nil but the, the match is not remembered for the result much as i discovered by looking for match footage to find none but a an itv news report of chelsea hooliganism and the fa trying to ban chelsea from traveling away but apparently the club sued the fa and they had to to, to revoke the ban Does anybody you two remember this yes yes well and also I, was- I remember i remember the trouble but it was a typical reaction, wasn't it, to losing? If you if you if you lost like to a number of goals like that and played not particularly well, they'd they just they'd all go mad and try and destroy everything. That was the... I remember the police horses actually charging the up terraces. the terraces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, they they had footage of that on YouTube. I don't know why. I mean, there'll be people that are listening, no doubt, and I shall ask a few mates. But there seems to have been a a pretty big enmity between Chelsea and both the Bristol clubs, actually. Uh, I, I remember people telling me about a lot of ag at Bristol City when we, whenever we played them. So I don't know, don't know what they put in the cider down there, but it clearly uh, caused a bit of a ruckus. But moving swiftly on, um, we're still top of the league, right? With a month to go, we get to April and we're still top of the league. Now Clayton says that um, our season. I think it's a really good point actually about bummers losing. Bummers really hampered us because he's a great player for us. But uh, we lost 1-0 at Leicester, who were in the hunt for promotion as well. We lost 1-0 to them, largely because one of their defenders clatters Petar Barotta. And, uh, you know, basically they score as a result of that. Uh, And even on the commentary, the lovely Hugh Johns says he couldn't understand what happened there because Barotta had been clattered and it probably shouldn't have been a goal. But that didn't help. But we still go into the the final match of the season really... uh, you know, with a good chance of getting promoted. Um, we had to beat Oldham at home. Birmingham had to fail to win. And then Sunderland had a game in hand and they had their game in hand was against West Ham, who, of course, just won the FA Cup and were still very much on the piss. So guess what happened? Well, we beat Oldham 3-0, Birmingham won and Sunderland won, and we miss out on promotion by a point, right? No, it was goal difference. Goal difference. Are you sure? Yeah. You sure? Okay, I'll give, no. I'll, I'll give you a no. point. I'll give you a point. You're, you're right, Clayton. You're right. I'll give you a point if you can tell me what the goal difference was. Uh, I, I'm cheating because I'm looking. Birmingham, Birmingham was 20 and we were 14. Indeed. So we miss out. And the, re- the reason why... I, sort of one of, one of the, the, the worst things was... And I think I'm right in saying that we... We played on the Saturday, but West Ham didn't. Sunderland West Ham wasn't until midweek because of the FA Cup. It? Because of the FA yeah. Cup final. Yeah. But but one of the worst results that we had, and I actually went to this game, and it was quite right. funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. Was the fact that we got beaten five yeah. one by Birmingham, and it was a midweek game, and it was really important. So we went up there, and. I remember as I was taking my seat behind the goal, Peter Barotta was flapping the first one in. It was literally in the first minute. We went 2-0 down 
about another minute later. And I think Tommy Langley scored just before half time and thought, oh, you know, we're back in this. We left at 4 1. And I got home back to uni. And I remember one of my college mates saying, oh, that was a tough old journey and all the rest of it, wasn't it? He got a bit of a hammering. I said, yeah, we lost 4-1. He went, no, you lost 5-1. <laughs> so we hadn't even listened to the radio on the way back, or it wouldn't have even been on the radio on the way back. We would have just been listening to music. And that, if you look at the, the goal difference behind Birmingham, that was one of the, the also one of the main reasons why why we didn't go up. They should have won then, of course. If they won, there wouldn't have been any problem at all. They wouldn't have been yeah. worrying about it. But it's it's accumulation of the season, isn't it? Really, it's these, it's taking your eye off the ball in certain games. I mean, yeah, they around it. They'd won the lot. They'd won four, five of them. Didn't they they won the next four off, next three after. Yeah, I've, I've and got then they lost to Rangers. It was just the run-in. Was it drawn, drawn, one, drawn? That yeah, was we didn't. Well, we, we won two, drew three. But, <clears throat> you know, I'll get on to this in a minute. But very quickly, we've got some great posts on Mixler that you'll love. Uh, Matthew, MHL Gate 14 says, Bristol away, people used to stop you and ask you the time to hear your accent to find out where you're from. Okay, and uh, Joe that's Bloggs... What happened, that's what happened to me at Birmingham. Yeah. And I had to say, I'm not quite sure I don't normally wear a watch. Yeah. And we, we got away with it. He said, my watch was stolen by the peaky fucking blinders. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, which funnily enough, actually, as a tangent, I, I, I missed lots of them on the first time around. I've just watched all five series, you know, off the trot, which has been great fun. Uh, anyway, so I've been going around going peaky blinders all week. Anyway, um, we digress. Talking of Birmingham, Joe Blogg says, when we lost to Birmingham way 5-1, Barota scored a headed own goal. <laughs> well, that must have been the first one. It was a corner. Yeah. It was an in-swinging corner. And I can't. all I know is that he was, he was sort of waving it through. So whether it hit his head on the way in, I don't know. And uh, Aussie sign. Sorry, Jonathan, go on, mate. It was if he tried to head it over the goal, because that's the kind of thing he used to do. So he may have been trying to head Well, I, just... I saw a clip earlier today where he runs out of the box and he heads. he's outside of his penalty area to come to meet the ball and he heads it. Yeah. yeah. The guy was barking, wasn't he? Absolutely Worse barking. Than that, Worse than that, uh, Aussie sign my broken leg says, uh, it, I was there, it was a shit show. I saw Alan May score, says, Hugh Johns, fought in the war, only had one lung, but still smoked like a trooper. One of the great commentators. I've got to say, Hugh Johns is one of my all-time favourite commentators. I just, Absolutely. He just made you so excited. Corner, right side. Yeah, I mean, just, it, he just got you so excited, didn't he, watching it? Brilliant. He, brilliant. he came up with one of the best commentary lines of all time. I can't remember what the game was, but uh, an Ipswich defender, the ball came in from a corner, he tried to clear it, and he absolutely buried it. And Hugh Johns goes, he doesn't miss those. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was just brilliant. I just loved him. Um Look, very quickly, uh, before we get to the kind of the uh, reflections, the reflections of the 1979-80 season, uh, another very, uh, and I know I've actually talked to people who were, who were kind of in amongst this lot, but there was something very important going on on May the 3rd, uh, 1980. Um, and this was uh, just down the road up in Kensington. The Iranian embassy was being held hostage by a bunch of terrorists and uh, 
a lot of Chelsea, well, I say a lot of Chelsea fans, Hickey's mob basically decided that they would go and, uh, you know, hurry proceedings up a little bit and were singing about it apparently on the day. And actually they did, a lot of them did go up there to try and sort them all out. They were they, they were gently dissuaded from doing so by the police. And then, as we know, I think it was not necessarily that day, but around that time, a day or so later, maybe the SAS famously stormed the place and sorted it all out. But the thought of Hickey's mob exactly taking the Iranian embassy. Chich. When was Sorry it? Sorry to interrupt. I'll tell you exactly when it was. It was May the 5th because it was my 21st birthday party. We were having a party in the garden at my house and uh, we all went inside to watch the live action. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been. That would have been the Monday then because the 3rd yeah, was the Saturday. Well, yeah. Strange times. Were you were you in the mob out. that were you in the mob that was taking the Iranian embassy, Jonathan? Enough, no, I was going out Surprise with a girl who lived me. in uh, lived in Redcliffe Street in Earl's Court, and uh, we were watching TV. And I suddenly heard, <laughs> and I said, "I wonder what that is. Do you think that's uh, is that Hickey's uh, mob?" And yeah, well, fine enough, exactly what I said. <laughs> 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 My mate Hickey, you were saying. Yeah. Blowing, the, uh, blowing the Iranian embassy up. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just, it's just, it was the SAS men, of course. It, it is one of, for those of us of a certain generation, it is one of those wonderful, kind of apocryphal, mad Chelsea stories. But as I said, I, I, I spoke to Martin King about this, and he, he says it's absolutely bona fide, absolute nutters, the lot of them. Uh, now, talking of nutters who liked inflicting violence more on the pitch than off it, uh, a certain young Mr. Harris, Ron Harris. It was his last game for Chelsea, that game against Oldham. How about that? He did well, didn't he? He did, he did well, well, dear Ron, didn't he? Who really shouldn't have been playing the last few years. Um, but he was a... a um, Great servant. Well, yeah, but also he, he started playing differently. He started playing central central midfield, didn't he? I mean, And he was a decent passer of the ball as well. You don't keep playing for a top club without having... Uh, um, skill in many areas as well as being um uh, uh an executioner of uh, of talent from time to time but he was um he 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 had, he had some he was skillful and and tactically excellent as well particularly his his best period was uh was obviously between um 64 and 73 but uh he he kept going and um um uh, it was. It was. I think everybody once again the same with Bonetti agreed that the time had come. There was a kind of universal appraisal that yes, perhaps this was a season too far. But then uh, he was still doing okay. So, um, uh, and I think he was obviously a terrific presence in the changing room. I think that was something that um, well, similarly Mick, um, um, Mick, Mickey Nutton said in his uh, John Sitton, I should say, said in his in his article I, I listened to his podcast. I listened to that he found him charming and funny but also a very good influence in the changing room which well is what you... it's a really good point actually because gary chivers uh, on the chelsea special i did with him was so fulsome in his praise of ron and he said he, he was such a lovely guy because he he would he was like a father figure i mean yeah. obviously gary played in defense and would play next to ron and he would be telling him where to go he'd be like coaching him all the time on the field and just giving him the benefit of his experience and, and i think we underestimate this about ron don't we clayton because you know, he gave everything for the club. He was com- he was actually really selfless in that in in that form. You know, he helped people. He helped these youngsters through and develop. And it just shows you that actually you need to look at things in the whole, don't you? He might not have been as good a player as he was, but his experience was was priceless. I think. Yeah, I mean, he he was uh, he was with the club man and boy. Uh, I know that he he went on a free to Brentford uh, at the end of the season. 
but he he was he was a fantastic fantastic captain um and it was quite interesting that, that Jonathan mentions that and you mention it but just watching the highlights if you watch the the Newcastle highlights after um Clive Walker scores or it wasn't Clive Walker it was the fourth goal Clive Walker made the fourth goal and they're running back to the halfway line and Harris is in his ear the whole time yeah 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 not admonishing him but he's talking to him and he's, he's sort of I don't know what he was saying to him it might have been where are we going later or you know what, what's for dinner it look more like you've got the beating of that fullback every time keep going yeah for it. something like that just keep doing it just I mean he, he was a great servant I love him and I, I've, I've sort of spoken to him a couple of times um, in the recent years and he's just a lovely man and he's and Chelsea yeah absolutely well as we said we finished uh, not one point off promotion. We were actually denied by goal difference, uh, which does kind of give us all sorts of permutations. I think Clayton's point that had we not lost 5-1 to Birmingham, uh, we would have gone up is true. Although they were seven goals, I think, or six goals ahead of six. us. Yeah, so, you know, it might have helped. I mean, Kelvin says that had Mickey Droy not hit the post in the first match of the season versus Sunderland, where we drew nil-nil, we'd have been promoted, which is a good point. There's another thing he mentions, which I thought was wonderfully ironic in a sense, but a mere two seasons later, uh, three points for a win was introduced in the league. And if it had been in place in 1979-80, would have been promoted at the expense of Birmingham. So I think... Well, if you, if you actually look at the final table, um, Leicester, who went up as champions, I think, I mean, we have more wins than them. We have more wins season. than anybody. We had 23 wins. The other three above us, which are Leicester, who were champions, yeah. Sunderland and then Birmingham, they all had 21 wins. Go figure. Go figure. Well, look, given all of that, chaps, given how close it was, um, you know, you were you were both there, you were going. I mean, if we'd have missed out, if Chelsea had missed out, if, if I'd have been going as well and been more cognizant of all of this, missing out on promotion, on goal difference, I would have been gut- gutted. I was completely eviscerated. Yeah. I was listening to the bloody result, trying to get the results of the West Ham game all the way through the whenever it was the Monday, listening. And then you just you knew that they weren't gonna win and it was just oh it was so disappointing, as always. I was the same, gutted completely. Oh God. Yeah, no, it was it was awful. And I think it was I think it was awful because you know, you started off the season with Blanche Flower in charge with sort of, you know, not much hope, but, but then we'd really hit some form. And it was just the fact that we'd stuffed up towards the end of the season. You know, it, it would have only taken another point, another, yeah. you know, another victory or a draw yeah. or whatever. Turn one of those draws um, into a win. I went yeah, to the guard. Maybe it was the psyche of the team that, that, that you know, in, in so far as we now have the psyche of winning, that that team didn't have it and they didn't know how to get over the line and, and, on the basis that we had Telford's ex-manager, uh, maybe it just it just wasn't there, mm. as so as it went on to prove. Mm. I went into the garden and shouted and howled about being a Chelsea supporter. I remember at the time going, you know, the fuck hey, I think it was the very fact that, as you say, we started off so um, um, inadequately with Blanche Flower, and it was the fact that we then just got better and better and started having runs of wins and got to be top of the table and then not to not to follow that through 
and end up being promoted at least was just oh it was vile oh god indeed well okay just to put a lid on the season uh the top scorers were mickey fillery and clive walker with 13 each most appearances Peter Barotta and Good. Ian Britton with 44 and the player of the season was Clive Walker rightly so had a terrific season yeah he did actually let's let's not uh, let's give the man some credit right okay well obviously next week uh, it's going to be slightly different I shall tell you all about that in a minute but the season will be of course 1980-81 now uh, I've mentioned it a few times already the Chelsea special which uh, I mean, particularly if you listen to Johnny Bumpstead and Gary Chivers and Colin Pates, they cover this particular era brilliantly. But we've done interviews with Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, Bummers, Chivers and Colin Pates, and of course Canners as well, and Danny Harkins, would you believe? So they really are brilliant. I mean, it's much better to hear these players talk about these experiences than, than the likes of me, Clayton and Jonathan, I can tell you. So they're all well worth a listen. You can get them at chelseaspecial.podbean.com. There's a small charge of £2.99 each for the podcast uh, to cover the considerable cost of production because we've paid all the players to do this. Uh, so just go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com uh, and then if you... If you're on the homepage, you just scroll down. You can see all the episodes there. And if you click on the link, buy single episode now, it'll take you to take you to the pay page where you can pay, I think, by PayPal and credit card, all sorts of things. Anyway, there you go. Uh, ChelseaSpecial.com on the website. Uh, Twitter is at Chelsea underscore special. And the Facebook page is The Chelsea Special. We'll see you in a minute for some emails. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast. He is Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> and he is Clayton Beerman. Hello. And these are your emails for this week, starting with you, Jonathan, and an absolute cracking yarn from our friend Bud Zola. Good old Bud. Can I just say before we start, of course, that the next season is when I am the Chelsea Lion. I'm the first Stamford. Yeah. So we'll have a whole hour of Jonathan's experiences. Indeed, told I, in... I have enough material to last yeah. an hour. Yeah, so. in the voice of John Gilgood. <laughs> and I said, I said to Brian, I, I can't wear this lion suit. It's exactly. too hot, Johnny. I have to wear a jock strap or very tight underpants to wear this costume. <laughs> and it is chafing. Can you do Rafe, oh, can you do Rafe Richardson? Uh, it, it very, it, it's very. Um, it, it's no. Not so, it, it's very, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> give me a chance. I was about to have a go at him. I was about to say he used to nod, and he'd go, "Oh, uh, yes." It was almost sort of, "Oh." Um, uh, when he, he made a speech about having um, um, won Actor of the Year or something in some awards, he said, "Oh, oh, well, I, I had an inkling I might get this. The, the cat was out of the bag, but it was an interesting cat, and the bag was bulbous and large and." possibly slightly wet inside because the cat had been in it and had urinated in the bag and the kind you know the whole the whole metaphor just went on and on and on but he was very funny but um they were very different actors as you'll get from that he was much more uh real than Gilgood. Gilgood who was there all the time that's not a bad impression actually of Gilgood so not bad at all I'd go for him I'd say in fact I suddenly have stumbled upon the essence of Gilgood thank you so much um Let's do the let's do the email. 
Email, evening gents, footy is nearly upon us once again. Anyway, um, Bud Zola, evening gents, footy is nearly upon us again. And what better way to end this ruddy saga, well said, than to have Jonathan regale us, yes, with another episode from the Chronicles of Bud Zola. A story, me and an associate did Everton away in a clapped out Suzuki Swift once, 2005 to be exact. The heating was knackered and he froze his Jacobs off, but he was driving. I kicked back with some Jamaican old Hoban and the journey passed me by for some reason. Wonder why. I was probably gazing out over the endless countryside on the trip north, thinking of our unbeaten start. It was bloody October, unbeaten. Great times as always being Chelsea mid to late noughties. I think I always say this, but it was literally fantasy football for us. Yeah, it was wonderful, wasn't it? Arriving early, we spotted um, a little supermarket. It's closed, it's a Sunday. So we parked up free of charge as per the signage. The second we stepped out of the car, the doors to a pub opposite burst open and out ran this quintessential scouse, oik, tracky and all. He screamed up to us, two, two quid to park here, mate held out his hand. Well, I was as high as a Georgia pine by the time we'd reached Liverpool. I just burst into hysterics, rolled around on the gravel, clutching my sides. My friend put an end to this bizarre business meeting by referencing the state of the car and letting him know he'd be doing us a favour if he torched it. I have to say, this put me in the best of moods and our route to the ground took us past a greengrocer's, so I dipped in, pun intended, and grabbed myself a few clumps of celery. The steward searched me on the way in and said, What's that for? I said, um, for throwing about and that. He was baffled. It baffles me, to be honest. Why did James Beatty always turn into fucking Ronaldo when we played Chelsea? That day was no different and he bagged one. I had a real dislike for him. He always seemed overly fired up for games against us. I don't know why he hated us so much. Anyway, forget that lump. Super Frank equalised about 10 minutes into the second half. Classic, effortless Lampard precision from the edge of the box. Here we go. Out comes the celery. Celery! Celery! Everyone's bouncing around. There's veg flying about. I'm lord of the manor right now. I break off the crispest, most beautifully green and leafy stick of celery you've ever seen in your life. Cock my arm back. Grab! I turn my head round. It's a copper. He's got me by the wrist. What are you doing? He bellows as the celery bounce ignites. Ignites the fuel being the police, the being the police presence now on the scene. Um, throwing celery, mate, I said, all respectful like. You're hitting your own supporters, he says. There's that look again, the one the steward on the door gave me. Well, that's the idea, innit? I explained. Here, if you throw one, you'll be a legend. But he didn't take it. <laughs> what he did take was me down the front, along the back of the goal mouth, to the exit in the corner of the ground. I went jovially, if anything. Two of them had me by the arms behind my back, but they weren't rough or anything. The entire walk along the touchline, I was looking up at the park end stand, and to quote Martin Tyler, I was drinking it in. <laughs> thousands and thousands of irate, hate-filled, spitting scouse faces, and it was all for me, all directed at me. Again, absolutely hilarious, and I was creasing up the entire time. So were the two coppers. I didn't have any ID on me whatsoever, which was a which was a touch. Quick five minutes of fame on the police camcorder, talking head interview thingy, and I was looking for a pub to watch the rest of the game. Jesus Christ, I stepped into this dive that was as rough as arseholes. The game was on. I didn't have colours. I shit you not. 
I ordered a pint in an Irish accent. <laughs> I also didn't move a muscle when Drogba found the net late on. It got disallowed, unfortunately, but I wasn't celebrating, even if it had stood. I'd pushed my luck enough for one day. Lent against the car, fully intact, by the way, the little chancer, waiting for my mate to get back from the game. I was looking down at my phone when all of a sudden, wallop, a big lump of celery smashed me in the face. I looked up and there he was, dancing around at the end of the car park, car park celebrating his bullseye with the objects of my ejection. Celery, celery, he sings. Yeah, oh, sorry. Celery, celery, he sings. Yeah, you're driving. Who's laughing now, dickhead? We both burst into laughter as soon as we sat in the car. The whole end was giving it to you, he said. Yeah, I said. Quality hate, that was. Stop at the first garage. I need some Rizzler. The end. Bud Zola. Fabulous. Fabulously I'm, written. I'm speechless. That was just hilarious, Fabulous mate. Story. Fabulous. That's Brilliant. Great. That's great. Brilliant. But I've Brilliant. got to say this, mate. I mean, you know, Clayton and I write for uh, CFC UK. You, you, you know, you should, you should get in touch with DJ. Now, this is where we find out he already does under another bloody assumed name, isn't it, Clayton? But quality of storytelling and writing like that mate get very on good it. or stick them on our website actually I've, I've said this before haven't i i do intend to nick your emails and put them on our website so you might find it up there but bud keep that coming and be great to have a beer with you sometime with stories like that oh great that was great okay now this is uh from the absolutely lovely andy willis he was often often in mixler i i don't know if he uh if he is uh this evening uh no doubt he will he will tell me if he is but uh he says chidge Hope all is good with you and yours, family, during what feels at times a bit like uh, an Orwellian Soderbergh mashup, infused with um, with what? With an occasional moment or two from Lynch. Great to feel the anticipation of an approaching Chelsea fixture again. In response to the fancast Instagram, I can't believe moment. For me, it's by a distance the class and maturity of young Billy's the man of the ma- young Billy's man of the match performance against Liverpool. Now you've probably already considered this. But after personally embracing a number of Zoom stroke Microsoft Teams experiences during the lockdown, uh, it made me wonder if those on Patreon could be rewarded with perhaps a quarterly Zoom invitation. Interesting idea. Or discussion with yourself, Jonathan, plus one guest, with the clear, clear potential for Q&A. Oh, I've just lost my script. Where's it gone? Get it back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, with a with a with a clear potential for Q and A sessions with a former or less likely current player or other Chelsea connection. I've seen how a disability mental health Zoom forum I've been involved with for the Cobblers, and trust me, they usually are, has seen numbers and engagement grow with a series of sessions where guests have included players from the men's and women's teams, various coaches from the academy to the first team. Interesting. The most interesting insights came from one of the kit men who used to play for one of the disability teams. I just wondered if this was an idea worth exploring as a bonus for the Patreon group or other. Uh, waffle over. I look forward to another pint in the cock at some point when a semblance of normality returns to match days, hopefully before the season 2021 draws to a close. Cheers, fella, and as ever, up the chels, carefree Andy. I do have to say that that, Jonathan, is something that we have you know, discussed but also yeah. uh, are quite yes. quite fans of, really. Yes, yes. 
I just the problem is is whether the show then becomes three hours unless you do separate days on it as we've discussed that. Well, before. I think I think we were going to do it as a separate kind of, and I think well, actually, we were, yeah, we you know, and actually, what what Andy, I, I I have tried to unmute Clayton here, but singularly failing to do so. I don't know why. There you go. Uh, yeah, we discussed this, didn't we, the other week, and I do think it's an exceptionally good idea, and I think Andy's point is that we could just do that for Patreon. So in other words, I email the Patreon people and say, who wants to come on a Zoom with us, set a time and a date, and uh, we just send them the link on there, so we keep it... I personally absolutely love to. I think that'd be wonderful. Yeah, all right. Wonderful idea. We'll get on it, definitely. Definitely get on it. And we don't have to do it every week. We do it once a month, maybe. You know, I think that's a good idea. Well done, Andy. Appreciate that. Hope you're well, buddy. Uh, this is from uh, email three. Adam Walczak, is that right? Walczak? Valchak. Valchak. Valky to his mates. Of course he is. Valky. Valky. Um, hi, Chidge, JK, and guest. And the guest is, of course, the lovely Clayton. Um, another great podcast I just finished listening to while working from home. A well-known Chelsea fan by the name of John Druitt told me once I was lucky to have only suffered one relegation during my Chelsea supporting career when I mentioned to him that I was in the shed end and Borough took us down in the late 80s. At least we took our revenge by beating them in the FA and League Cups over the next decade. It certainly wasn't as grim as the late 70s sounded. The 78-79 season's points tally sounds awful, but worse is that even if it had been three points for a win, we would only have had 25 points instead of 20. <laughs> One of the emails you read out triggered a memory for, triggered, triggered, triggered a memory, triggered a memory from my teens. My late grandfather had been unlucky enough to have an eye operation on the same day as a home Tottenham match. Me and my dad were season ticket holders, so we had to visit him in the evening at Guy's Hospital. Not allowed to say that anymore, anyway. Despite me, guys. What do you say? Gender neutral hospital. Yeah, yeah. Guy's Hospital. No, I think he was because he was a slave trader, wasn't he? Guy's Hospital. Despite me pleading with my father that at least we should attend the second half of the game. What made it even more excruciating was that I could see the bright lights of Stamford Bridge from the ward where he was recovering. Of course, it had to be a seven-goal thriller where even Maldonaki scored. For what it's worth, I'm up to 3,000 Chelsea badges in my collection now. Wow! I've still not had any hot ladies to meet me. <laughs> and th thumb through the collection, but then perhaps they've lost my email. Keep up the hard work. Best wishes. Valky, theleftback.co.uk. Fantastic. Oh dear. Marvellous. Right. Well, the next one is also for you, Jonathan, because, we, you know, Liam, we had on the show. I was going to read out Liam what, what he said in our message, but uh, we've had him on the show, so we don't need to do that. So the last one this week is from the lovely Russ Saunders. Uh, Russ Saunders. The lovely. He's lovely, Russ Saunders. Yes. The anniversary of signing a player that I had a rant about. It's annoyed me reading the loving comments on Facebook. So here's what I wrote on him. Whether you go on to say what I wrote on Hazard is up to you, not fussed. Too many of those fucking fanboys still around too. Why love the player so much when, we, he, when he wanted to piss off? Baffling. Anyway, part one was about RDM. Here's two and three. Diego Costa. Yes, he was a beast of a centre forward, the type of player we loved. Why do so many Chelsea fans forget that for almost two thirds of his time at Chelsea, he wanted to be either back in Spain or in China on that gravy train, like so many other money hungry players. You can't keep players who don't want to be here. And that line leads me on to the third and final person. 
Edon Hazard. There's no, no doubt that Eden had the ability to win any match with a brilliant goal or assist. He was a joy to watch in a Chelsea shirt. We all knew he was on his way to Madrid. He was obvious before the start of the 2018-19 season. During that last Premier League season of his, he scored 16 and assisted 15 goals, his best return of all eight seasons. So where was that in the other seven? The Beck's best was 23 contributions in his third season. When we finished 10th in 15-16, it was just seven. Sometimes it felt he just wasn't bothered if he wanted to turn up, then he would. Supporters are blinded by that last season and the glimpses of brilliance at sporadic times through his Chelsea career. Curiously, he did have a standout last season too when he left Lille. I'm Steve Wright's Mr Angry reading the Diego comments. No point replying to any of them as it, was, as is with so much, as it is with so much social media. Just spirals into online abuse that, to be honest, my mental fitness, I love the bloke who described it that way a few weeks ago, can well do without. Can of Guinness calling me, no celery. Stay safe over there, mate. Up the Chels, Russ. Good stuff. Very good points about Hazard, actually. There were times in previous seasons where he was... Um, I think the, one of the other things was, of course, there were, there were better players around him who actually uh, filled in for him in certain seasons. So he didn't have to be the best. But interesting enough, yes, he was at completely at his best in the last season. He was brilliant last last year, in fact, wasn't he? Uh, particularly in the uh, at Baku in the in the final, he was out of this world. And uh, yeah, Costa, Costa was somebody who spent most of the time trying to um, to not play for Chelsea. But he was um, uh, wonderful to watch because of his 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 ferocity. Quite a brilliant, and also his goal-scoring ability. Great, get great ability to get the ball in the net. Just a great goal scorer as well. But yeah, what say you, Clayton? Um, I think Hazard was. Uh, we talked about wingers before, and consistency is not something that you can ever say about wingers. Um, he was. He was a bit moody. I think that he didn't get on particularly well with Jose insofar as Jose was trying to get him to track back and defend. And I think Hazard did what Hazard does. And I don't think anybody can actually make him do anything else, as it proved. Um, but ultimately, if you look at him and you say, was he a success for Chelsea? You'd have to say yes. Uh, and exactly the same about Diego. Diego was absolutely infuriating. Um, you could tell there were games where he just wasn't, he just didn't want to be there and he couldn't be asked. And there were other games where he was just a beast. And um, I think we haven't replaced either player yet. Um, Diego just, I think the thing with Diego is that he was followed by Morata. So you basically had a line followed by a pussycat. And I think. I think a hamster, more like it. Actually. A hamster, okay. And I, and I think that a Diego's... <laughs> I think Diego's legend grew um, the more ineffectual that Morata was. And I think that's why he was missed and, and people do paint over um, all the things that he, he that were bad about him. And I, I remember ranting once on, on a fan cast after the fact he got booked for <laughs> dissent after everybody was told that you can't talk back to referees and he just did 
did what he wanted. But I think, you know, if you wanted to, to have a team full of players who would die for you, I think if he was on your side, it was there was nobody. Well, there were obviously better players, but he, he was brilliant. And the fact, I, I love players who wind up opposition. Too right, yeah. I mean, look, I I think it's a really weird thing, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you know, we we love nothing more as supporters than a player who gives everything for the shirt and for the team. And I mean, we'll actually forgive them being shit if that's what they do on the whole. So on the other side, you know, for me, it seems churlish because we have to recognise, and I think particularly in the modern era, that players are mercenaries. You know, they, 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 they're paid a lot of money to play for your club. They don't support the club. They've not been on the terraces as a kid growing up with it, although, thankfully, with a lot of these youngsters coming in now, that's, that's a bit different. But on the whole, particularly the foreigners, that's what you're going to get. If you get a rare one, like a Luca Viali or a Michael Ballack or a Gianfranco Zola, then they clearly, Robbie Di Matteo, they clearly grew to love the club. And they consider it their club. But look, these are professionals who get paid to play football and they don't really care who's paying them as long as they're getting paid. So my theory is don't delude yourselves and enjoy it while it lasts. And and I think, you know, we, we, it's so funny, isn't it? We, we've both been talking a lot about, you know, matches and Chelsea teams from nearly 50 years ago and remembering some of the players therein. Um and in, in, in 30, 40 years' time, people will be talking about Eden Hazard as one of the best players ever to have played at Chelsea. And right now, we can all three of us can say we were there for his entire career. And you know what? He gave us some magic moments. And I think as a supporter, that's all you can ask, really, boys, isn't it? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, there we go. On that massively uh, sensible and uh, somewhat prosaic <laughs> point, I think I shall bring tonight's proceedings to a close. In the style of Lawrence... No, I won't do that. I'll leave, I'll leave that to Jonathan. Um, right, that, I'm afraid... Very sad. Oh, by the way, if you want to send an email to us, you know what to do. ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com or DM them to me on Twitter or send them to Patreon or, of course, put them on Facebook or Instagram particularly. Dane's very hot on the Instagram, so he'll make sure they get to us. And we will read them out. Now, that is all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday to look back at... Yes... Yes, yes, yes. The return of football as we report on Chelsea's first match back against Aston Villa. Uh, Don't let us down, boys. Now, as a result, and this is the important announcement, as a result, we won't have time to do our 50 years of Chelsea on the Monday night shows. However, uh, we have decided that as they're so much fun to do, we will carry them on in a separate show every week dedicated to each year in question starting next week uh, with the 1980-81 season and I will get Kelvin on for that one he is of course Kelvin Barker's the author of Celery representing Chelsea in the 80s and there is nobody I know on this planet who knows more and can remember more about the 80s than Kelvin Barker and he's a lovely bloke too and he's, he was on the one of the first guests we ever had on the fancast actually so he will be joining me and jonathan uh sometime next week as our special guest for a separate show of our 50 years of chelsea and i intend to carry these on because we've had so much fun doing them so you're going to get three shows a week from us blimey what more do you want now uh before that on this friday uh talking of more shows we'll have another edition of my chelsea as uh, one of the chelsea fancast crew discuss 
how they became a Chelsea supporter, their favourite players and their matches growing up and some of their best and worst moments as a Chelsea fan. And of course, the Fancast, as always, is available as a podcast on Chelsea FC, sorry, ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other podcast distributors. Obviously, you can only get um, a podcast on ChelseaFC.com if you're American. Isn't that right, Clayton? That's exactly right. Yep, there we go. That's the. You can only come on the Chelsea Fancast. See, I think my selection criteria is far more <laughs> discerning. You can only come on the Chelsea Fancast if you've had a beer with me before the game. But if, if you're American... And I think Michael Ruiz, isn't it? He's a lovely bloke, actually. Funny enough, I have met him in the cock, and he's a he's a top bloke. But they do the apparently the official Chelsea FC podcast. So there you go. Strange world we live in. I love it. Right, talking of which, uh, what was I talking? I can't even remember what I was talking about now. I've gone off on one as I always do. Ah, I know. Yes, uh, there's an app. There's an app called CFC Blues where actually all the podcasts uh, that are Chelsea related uh, I think you can find them on this app so that's us uh, London fantastic London is blue actually we're going to have uh, Brandon uh, is has recorded a my Chelsea with me so he will be uh, on the fan cast soon and I've have promised to get one of the boys on as well so I actually think Clayton and this is something no doubt you'll approve of but given that suddenly like tomato ketchup the great equalizer we are all now in the same boat, aren't we? It doesn't matter where we're from, whether we're you know, living in Chelsea or in Winchester or in Boston or Singapore or whatever. We are all in the same boat. We've been equalised. So all the more reason to get one of the London is Blue Boys on, do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. Um, I mean, they're, they're lovely lads. They are. I, I, promised um, them, I promised them this would happen. That's kind of why I'm plugging it up here. But You know, and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and and they are they're, they're top lads I've met them as you have and spent time with them and they're genuinely lovely guys and Nick has one of the best voices for podcasts I think maybe we'll, we'll try and get Nick on and he can have a voice off with Jonathan what do you think I like that yeah. I like that immensely Chich yes <laughs> it's already started hasn't it it's already, already started. started already bring it on see what bring I what on. I like about Nick is that like me he has a fine taste in beards scotch whiskey and fine cigars so maybe we'll do a virtual cigar whiskey podcast with nick anyway i'm waffling on what 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 what, what, what? Women. women as well oh yeah i love women uh, but not necessarily in that order right uh okay now the cfc blues app is brilliant you can get all the podcasts all the chelsea podcasts the chelsea us all sorts of loads of them loads of chelsea podcasts anyway you can get them on this app and they tell you how to get it here for chelsea fans everywhere this is the ultimate football app for you for match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, Right, now, um, as I mentioned earlier on Patreon, uh, you can send us a message there and we might try and do you a a kind of a QA and a show at some stage during the season. Uh, But of course, if you want to become a patron or a Patreon even... uh, you just have to bung us some money every month really it's pretty simple and this is kind of part of our effort to try to give you something back although we do do lots of shows which is kind of what the point is but if you do want to donate you don't have to donate much little or as much as you want really uh it's patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast and as i said you can message me on there get them read out on the show yala blah 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 right twitter me at stanford chidge chelsea at chelsea chelsea fancast at chelsea fancast jonathan at jonathan kid dean mears at dean mears gate 17 marco 
Uh, Joe Tweedy at Goalie59. That would be Clayton. Uh, at Grossjack UK. <laughs> Uh, at Martin Wickham, at Dan Silv 73 at Liam underscore Toomey, at CFCGWLB, that would be Alex. Uh, and as I said, don't forget our Instagram and Facebook accounts. And one thing I didn't uh, ask you earlier, Clayton, which I really wanted to ask you, but I kind of got swept up in the moment. Um, just your final thoughts on Peter Bonetti retiring in 78-79 and what you generally thought about Petter Barota. Um... Obviously, it was sad when when Peter retired, but I think it was on the cards and and he was ready to go. I think that um, Petter Barotta was a bit of a curate's egg, to be perfectly honest, at the time. In hindsight, not so much. I think he made his debut. You probably talked about this last week. I haven't caught up with the show against Liverpool and kept a clean sheet. Um, we're all thinking, oh, could have something special. But he just basically went from bizarre to ludicrous to just a liability. And, and when I was watching the earlier clips, it was quite difficult. And Mrs. Beerman is now <laughs> telling me I have to go. Dinner time. Um, dinner time. Um, Let's go. But no, I, no, no, no. He, he, he let, I'll, I'll just finish off. It's quite interesting because it, thinking about him, there was a, you know, in, in sort of the cold light of day, there's a sort of bit of affection. But having watched those clips back and then I'm having those horrible memories of, of him being in goal when we lost 6-0 at Rotherham. Yeah, not good. We'll get he to was the, we'll... than I remember. I, rem- I, I had a kind of affection for his madness, but then you look at him and think, oh, he's not a proper goalkeeper at all. Why did I ever think he was any good? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to the madness of Rotherham in the next week or two, I suspect. Anyway, in the meantime, Clayton, you've been brilliant. Lovely to see you as ever. See you soon. Thank you. You take care. Stay safe, everybody. Will do. And uh, JK, you've been marvellous. Simply marvellous. Lovely to be on again. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for bringing Liam to me on and... Uh, and scaring me <laughs> for, bring, for bringing Liam to me. Oh, what a way to end the show! Brilliant. Now you look Mixler as always. You've been fantastic. I've loved reading your co- uh, comments tonight. They've been absolutely top notch as always. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.